Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's episode number 83 of the Audible Farm Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is roasted right here in Iowa. The batches are made exactly for you as you want them to your specifications. They're not roasting huge batches of coffee and then sending them out to all these stores to let them sit on the shelves and and maybe you'll buy one some months down the road and it's all maybe stale. No, this is roasted for you exactly as you wanted. So go to couchtowncoffee.com, find a coffee you want and make an order today. Support local and tell you what, since Couchtown is so awesome and they like live music and entertainment and uh, they believe in the podcast that I'm going on here and they and just because they love you, all the people that support them and me, they're going to offer you 20% off. 20% off. You have to enter the promo code impact when you make an order. So when you make an order, let them know Audible Farm sent you. Say, hey, I listen to the Audible Farm podcast. Promo code is impact. Do I get 20% off? And they'll say, yes, you do. And that's how that works. Thanks, Couchtown. We love you. Use the promo code impact. Why is the promo code impact this week? I am sitting down talking talking with Travis Shillington, uh, TS aggressor, as some might know him. But Travis Shillington is a professional wrestler. Um, he does does not wrestle as much as he used to, but he still wrestles. And he's a trainer. Uh, he's not the head trainer at IPW, but he's still trained. I mean, we're, we go through all of this in the podcast. It's It was tons of fun. When I used to go to IPW shows all the time, Travis was always there. He would wrestle occasionally. He was he was usually one of the guys kind of getting involved. If, if the wrestlers were having too big of a beef, he would jump in the middle and separate them. Um, it was always tons of fun to see him there. Every now and then one guy would start poking their finger in Travis's chest and he would, he would wrestle the guy. He would actually come back and wrestle the guy, you know, after not wrestling for a while. And it was, it was really awesome to see him mix it up with some of the younger guys and some of the people that, you know, maybe he trained and things like that. So it's tons of fun. I'm glad I got to sit down and talk with him. And it's really cool that Travis's episode and Troy's episode are going to be back to back uh around wrestlemania weekend which was a crazy wrestlemania weekend this weekend if anybody is into the pro wrestling scene i've got two awesome episodes here to bookend the weekend for you so uh there was one came out last weekend one came or one came out last week and the other one came out this week so i hope you guys enjoy these um i spent a lot of time in the pro wrestling scene around iowa a lot of time at ipw hanging out with uh uh, the likes of all the wrestlers there and Troy and Travis and and everybody else that was involved. I, I always have a great time going to their shows. They're always very fun, very entertaining. Um, everybody's very friendly. And as you can see in this, uh, a lot of that comes from the top down. Uh, people like Travis and Troy who are running the show there, uh, being good people and doing the best they can. And, uh, you know, it's really cool because you can get both both of their sides to the story one week right after the next. So check that out. Hey, guys, I really appreciate you guys listening. This is episode number 83 with Travis Shillington. It's the Audible Farm Podcast with your host, Peter Stockdale. All right, so today I am sitting down with Travis Shillington. Um, actually, you know what? I can I can redo this, but did you want me to out you as Travis Shillington, or do you want to? Oh, be that's t- fine. All right, yeah, yeah okay. Um, so yeah, uh, that's a weird kayfabe thing because it's uh, <laughs> you know, it's tough to to gauge how that one wants to go because there were I've 
I've talked to about interviewing some other wrestlers and they want to use their wrestler name just on the off chance somebody listens to it and associates them with the character they played. And I totally get that. But anyways, anyways, this is Travis Shillington, uh, TS aggressor, as some might know him around the Midwest and beyond. You, uh, I mean, I first saw you wrestle at the vault in IPW, um, in Algona. That's where I first met you. And, uh, you know, I, when I first started going to shows was kind of after you quit wrestling as frequently as you used to. Um, so when I first saw you wrestle, you were one of those like legendary guys in the area, you know, (laughs) it's well, I mean, as, as as a wrestling fan, yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes, maturing. Yeah, de- definitely, definitely sliding out slowly. That's kind of how my my matriculation through the ranks went. Yeah, de- definitely the the frequency of appearances really started to slow. Well, I mean, it's one of those cool things, though. Like as a wrestling fan, when you know that somebody's been around the area, and and it's like, well, you should have seen this guy. He was, you know, kicking everyone's ass five years ago, and and now he does more of like a management role, and you get to see him wrestle every now and then. Like that was one of the cool things where you know because you were a wrestler and still wrestled watching you scrap with some of the guys in the ring, you know, when they were trying to fight each other and you were like, Hey, you know, back up, it put some validity into what, what was going on in the ring, you know, cause it wasn't just, you know, like not to, not to make fun of Troy, but it wasn't just Troy out there to holding people apart. You know, it was, it was, you know, you were actually a wrestler yourself. So you actually, Oh had- yeah. Yeah. I, I certainly had just a lot of fun every time you get in front of a crowd and you get fired up like that and, and you're able to, you know, wrestling's, you know, a, you know, a one of a kind experience being on that side of it. But, it, you know, whenever you're out there in front of the crowd, I think there's a certain uh, level of showmanship to it. And just, you know, it's very enjoyable. Well, let's go back to the beginning. How, how, like, when did you first start getting into wrestling? Did you have somebody show it to you or was it like, oh, Hulk Hogan and Andre? Or did you have like a, <laughs> a thing that, that drug you into it when you were younger or? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, just cable television. I think like, like a lot of young guys, you know, when I was young and now I'm 47, so this goes way back. So there weren't that many cable stations. I mean, it was just a handful of stations. So having pro wrestling on one of them was a huge uh, coverage of the market, right? Very accessible. Then. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So we watched quite a bit of wrestling when I was young and getting into the old AWA that was on ESPN and, and, uh, uh Georgia championship, you know, that's something I really oh, cool. enjoyed guys like to- Tommy Rich and junkyard dog and yeah. Ted DiBiase, you know, at, at times there, there was a lot of guys there, but you know, and of course WWE when, or WWF at the time with, with Hogan was kind of the breakthrough guy in, in 84, I believe when he came from the AWA and yep. the Rocky movie came out and everybody's including me was fired up and yeah. And yeah. So it, it captivated me at a pretty early age. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and I don't know. I think, I think a lot of guys, you know, you know, there's fans and then there's people like, like myself and, and a lot of guys that just never grow out of the fandom, you know, just certainly enjoyed it as a fan and loved watching it. But, thought man it'd be great to get in there at, at some point too and, and be what it's like feel what it's like rather to have people yelling for you or feel the rush of, the, of being out there cutting loose in front of the crowd you know and that's that's something that drew me to it oh. as i was as i was getting older dude yeah i mean as as lame as it sounds when hulk got into his like later years and he was still going out there getting hulked up like that had to be the greatest feeling ever where it's just like every punch was just making him matter and the crowd was going nuts and they're like, they knew what was coming, you know, and just to have that ability, you know, that would be very alluring. Definitely. Uh, you yeah, know, I, I, 
Another th- you know, I was, I, go for it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Pete. <laughs> well, I was thinking like another thing you mentioned was uh, kind of how everything was territorial. And that's something that uh, a lot of newer wrestling fans don't understand. And that was kind of one of the cooler things that when I got into wrestling, I, I started realizing was like, well, a lot of these guys in WWF actually came from different little areas. And that's kind of how indie wrestling still is to an extent. You got guys that wrestle in certain areas. But, uh, I mean, back then they had some bigger companies, like AWA was out of the Minnesota-ish area-based, correct? Absolutely, yeah. Out of Minneapolis with Vern Gagne is really where it took its roots. Yeah, and that, you I know, mean, so- that's super cool to have that, like, right in our back door, you know, it's, it's right, up the, right up the street pretty much from us. Right, right, and that's a big, big part of my story early on, you know, and as I, I was a very... Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of guys go through this too. You go through high school and I graduate, I, I, tur- I graduated high school and I just turned 18 and I was very undersized. Ah. You know, I started lifting weights when, you know, probably the summer of my freshman year, but still very undersized, probably around 160 pounds graduating, you know, and yeah. never really thought there was any chance of being big enough to, you know, cause back then everybody was huge, you know, and yeah. I thought the, the barrier of entry was going to be, uh, predicated on size and I just was very small so you know even a few years out of high school working out pretty hard and you know I would take a lot of weight gainer and things try to try to bulk up you know it sounds funny to say that now because now it's the exact opposite but yeah yeah that's that's so crazy (laughs) to think about that like back in the day you had to be barrel chested you had to be able to bench 400 pounds I mean it was you know you just start it didn't really matter how tall you were just how big you were really was like the biggest thing back then you know and, yeah uh, yeah i think so much of it was rooted in trying to look legitimate you know if guys tried to to fight you at a bar or something you know after the show you, you had to be scary enough that they wouldn't mess with you i guess or tough enough to handle them you know but yeah but you know i guess so so my story really is i just kept working out and things like that until i got up to about 230 pounds I was about 24 years old, and I always kind of had that in my head. You know, I'd really love to give this a shot if I can get to about 230. I thought at that weight, I would be just big enough to be one of the little high flyers, you know, be like the Dynamite Kid or or, or Bret Hart or Kurt Hennig or Shawn Michaels, one of those those faster pace guys, which, of course, I say that in in no way was me at 230 was I ever – even sniffed the league of those guys and their athleticism, you know, but, but I was in my head. That was kind of the, that was the, the measuring stick. I had to get to that weight and I just happened to, and, and back then in, in 96, uh, the barrier of entry was also, you know, there was no internet, so to speak, or it was just starting, you know, yeah. and it was very tough to get into the business of wrestling. But, but also it wasn't like, you know, 10 to 15 years before that where it was impossible without knowing somebody, you know, it was just starting in the, in the later nineties to open up. You yeah. know? So I, I got, I got in very quickly with a uh, regional promoter introduced me to Brad Rangins and Brad, oh, if cool. you don't know who that is, he, he was a two-time Pan American gold medalist. I mean, he's a, a fantastic Greco Roman Olympic wrestler. So, you know, if you can imagine my, my fan, I mean, Kurt Henning was a huge uh, influence on me. I, he was one of my favorites, you know, as a high school kid and stuff. And and one of the first people I met in wrestling, we pulled up to Brad's uh, garage. He's got this really nice 
uh, garage connected to his his house that has the ring and wrestling mats all over and and, and weights and a bathroom. It's it's a it's a pretty nice it's a blue collar setup, but it's a very nice blue collar setup. But so anyway, the first guy comes trotting down the stairs is Kurt Hennig. Oh, you know, cool! He's the first guy we see. You know, at about two hundred and sixty pounds, super tan. You know, wearing his uh, Ica Pro. Uh, uh, shirt and his zubas you know i mean he was he was dressed like you know exactly like you'd imagine guys from the 80s would be dressed but it was 96 you know dude you mentioned ico pro that's that's hilarious like that's that's one for the wrestling fans out there like oh god yeah anyways yeah let's keep going kurt Kurt hennig comes down yeah yeah so uh, kurt hennig comes down and me and one of my best friends you know took the trip with me and oh cool we go on and we work out. We, we meet uh, Wayne the Train Bloom, who I had seen many times on AWA television as, as one of the destruction crew. You know, and I always thought, man, that guy, he, he was a great heel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always thought, man, he had to be a, a, a huge prick in real life, you know. And it's funny because uh, he was very blunt with things. Some people would say he had some prickish uh, elements to his personality. But I I really grew grew to, to really like him a lot, you know. And uh, But – I guess to go to all my story here, so it was Brad, Wayne Bloom, and Kurt Hennig, and me and my buddy, they let us beat each other up in the ring for a while, which, of course, it's like kids in a candy store. You know, we're trying to do everything we can. Like like I've seen play out many times, yep. guys get in the ring, and they're slamming each other, and everybody, everybody wants to slam the other guy, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but pretty soon it's your turn, so we're taking big suplexes and stuff, and I'm trying to convince myself that it doesn't hurt that bad, but. It did. It, it felt pretty solid. You know, oh the first God. the first few legitimate bumps I took. I mean, they they woke me right up. You know? Oh, I can imagine. So, Just take so the anyway, wind right out of your. I mean, yeah, dude, yeah. That was the first question I had. Was man, are all rings this hard? Were you? you know? Did you know you were gonna? You're getting into this, like showing up there the first day. It's like, dude, you're gonna start getting slammed around and stuff. And yeah, it was it was kind of a a bit of a shady deal because we we paid some fee to do a tryout but later on brad would say you know hey what are you trying out for when you don't know what you're doing you know how, how do you try out for something you've never done before you know yeah. all we could do and like a lot of guys do all we could do is emulate stuff we saw on tv i mean there was really no technique or or a, i would say internal logic or psychology or nothing made sense that we were doing we we're just two guys taking turns pounding on each other you yeah, know? yeah yeah so, but i mean they, they got a kick out of it. they laughed at us and stuff well then the, the tough part was when all the, the fun and games was over in the ring, we got out of the ring and with Kurt and with Brad and with Wayne, they did a bunch of amateur wrestling drills, you know, putting a guy on his stomach and then doing a shark bait thing where guys are in 30 second intervals jumping on you, trying to turn you over and mm-hmm. you got to stay in and, and try to fend them off or doing pummeling where you, you know, an upper body exercise where you're trying to take the guy off his feet without grabbing his legs. You know, I mean, we did some pretty hardcore uh, amateur wrestling drills and i mean it was brutal I, I you know i didn't throw up but i yeah it was it, it pushed me pretty hard i felt like i was on fire during a lot of that you know and trying to wrestle a guy like brad Rangins, who had been in you know at, at an olympic level i mean there's nothing that i was gonna do to that guy to, to move him or anything i mean it oh, was god it was impossible, you know, and, and this is a guy that's trained dudes like a, a, a big Van Vader, a guy who could bench press 600 pounds and was a 400 pound dude, you know, and yes. Rick Steiner and eventually Brock Lesnar, JBL. I mean, there was, there was a ton of guys that went through Brad's camp, you know, before and after me. But, uh, 
yeah, it was just such a crazy experience getting in there and, and, uh, getting worked over by these guys and, you know, Kurt Hennig got in there with us too. And he beat up on us as well. You know? <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm I laughing, I'm laughing. Cause in hindsight, it's, you got to laugh at it a little bit, but at the same time, like that, that kind of did happen in the wrestling scene a little bit here and there. I mean, as of late, it's been super cleaned up, but I mean, back in the day, you kind of didn't really know what you were getting into. If like, yeah. if any of the what literature I read kind of serves sure. me correctly. I think the the protocol was to run guys, you know, in f- some form or fashion. They had to, they would do tons of cardio until they were dog tired, and then the, the guys that had been around a while that were fresh would stretch them, you know, and then oh, really yep. w- work them over. And I, you know, and I just, I, I really hate that, you know. And I've seen other camps, and, and this is not to put anybody else down either, because everybody's got their own way and methodology of doing things, but in the way I was trained is we worked on a lot of our technique and stuff early in the workout when mm-hmm. we were fresh. And then at the end, we worked on some of our cardio stuff at the end of the workout. We didn't, you know, some people start, you know, we're getting guys all blown up and tired. And then how do you learn anything when you're completely, when you're worried about surviving and getting air, you're not going to be paying attention to how to tie up and put on hammer locks and do reversals and drop toe holds and stuff. You, yeah. you know, you just... Yeah, I think there's a, a smart way to do that, you know, and and make it less dangerous. Yeah, I mean, I I, I get the concept. It's like uh, there's totally different ways to do everything, and I totally understand this. Uh, the kind of what you're going for would be like maybe to teach you what you can do while you're fresh, and that way, when you're tired, if you need to do it, then it's instinctual, more or less. Yeah, I think there's a lot of merit in conditioning. I mean, obviously, I mean. You know, we, we talk to our students a lot about, about if you're not, if you don't have good wind, I mean, you're not going to be able to communicate. You're not going to be able to uh, think very clearly because your body's just worrying about surviving. But one, one of the big things is you take a lot of shortcuts. You know, we all do. I mean, yeah. it, just that fatigue, you know, makes cowards of us all. And, and you know, you're not going to punch as sharp or react as good or run as hard to the corners of the ropes. I mean, there's a lot of detail work there that just gets really sloppy and lazy when guys get tired. That's something a lot of people don't think about too, though, is the fact that conditioning comes in so, I mean, it's so beneficial. It's such a big part of pro wrestling. It's, it's obvious to see when a guy is tired on screen. I mean, you even mentioned it. There's a term they have for it, which, I mean, if, if people that are non-wrestling fans are listening to this, you're hearing probably lots of terms kind of come out, but being blown up, you know, you wait, you come out and you, you absolutely, you, that was the term they use. You get, uh, if you come out too excited and you throw too many punches in the beginning of the matches is, is too fast then all of a sudden you get guys holding headlocks for five minutes you know trying to catch their breath and it's that's you could it's a telltale sign you see it if you watch enough wrestling and it's it i totally get it man it's the conditioning is so important i mean that going up to minnesota and wrestling some of those guys and seeing how well they're conditioned even if they were kind of just picking on you here and there sometimes but like that's got to be insanity just to think about what an olympic caliber greco-roman wrestler would be you know conditioned like. oh yeah yeah i mean we used to joke that he had a you know brad had a tv in the upper corner and we'd be trying to to pummel with him and turn him and push him around and he would just turn us so he could watch he could face the tv you know, we'd, be, <laughs> we'd be sweating bullets and breathing hard i mean we couldn't i mean we, you know you couldn't make that guy tired at all oh my and he was, gosh he was 20 years older than us but i mean there was just nothing it was in a. It wasn't just a level above us. It was several. He was in another stratosphere. God, that's insane to think about that kind of stuff. 
So like, <laughs> so, so how do you go from uh, training with uh, Brad to ending up like in your first match? Like, where did how did that kind of venture go? Oh, I, that was pretty cool. You know, I mean, we worked out. You know, I, I, I mean, I met all these guys. I didn't know anybody I trained with, but I, I trained in a group of six guys, and uh, you know, three of us went on to, to do. Multiple matches. I had Wicked Lester Brody, who also wrestled as hardcore for a while, and cool. a real good guy. And then uh, also fought in the UFC. You know, so oh wow, I mean, he's a yeah, he's a, a pretty accomplished athlete that way. And then uh, another buddy that I traveled with a lot was Mr. Destiny, uh, Big Jay Hanna. You know, he he was just a, a freak, a super strong guy. You know, a lot of fun to travel with and stuff too. But so the three of us kind of went on, but. You know, we're just working out one day. We're about three months in. We're working out every Saturday because we, we all had, you know, our regular lives and stuff during the week. So we, I would drive. I lived in northern Iowa here. So I would drive to Minneapolis on Saturday morning. We'd have a, fi- a four- or five-hour workout on Saturday. We'd sleep on the wrestling mats in, in Brad's camp, uh, me and Mr. Destiny. And then we'd have a workout on Sunday, and then we'd drive home. You know, and that was that went on for about three and a half months before our actual first match. Wow. But uh, yeah, we were just working out in the in the ring one day, and Wayne Bloom, who did who did a lot of the hands on with us. I mean, he, Wayne was in in the ring with us a lot, you know, and and, uh, and he just got out of the ring one time and got on his his spiffy cell phone, and he 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 called up Ken Patera right while we were uh, Mr. Destiny and I were were running through some camp match stuff, doing some spots and things, and and he just talked to him right in front of us and said, "Hey, Ken, I got a couple guys ready to." ready to be on a show. What do you got next, next week? Cause oh, Jesus. Wayne, Wayne, Wayne was booked on this show. It was a Sunday show in Pepin, Wisconsin at a high school. And, uh, yeah, he just right in front of us, he, he booked us with, uh, Ken Patera. If you remember Ken, the Olympic strongman. Oh yeah. 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 You know, so I, I, that made me freak out, you know, cause I remember Ken with the bleach blonde hair and he yep. cut the hair of Andre the giant, you know, and he was a part of the Heenan family. I mean, so yeah, that I was super excited, you know, to 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 be a part of this, and and so a lot of work, a lot of travel, you know, up and forth, up and back, and and staying overnight, and, and going through all the bumps and bruises and beatings that it took. You know, <laughs> I used to have a, my workout, my lifting schedule changed from you know trying to do you know five six days a week, whatever it was, to three days a week. I would I would lift weights Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday and use Monday and Friday as recovery days because you kind of got beat up all weekend. Yeah. So you wanted to use Monday just to recover, you know? Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing. Like I just, I think about the fact that so many professional wrestlers, even on the indie circuit, like you've got a, most of them have a regular job aside from actually wrestling. They all work out on top of that. And then almost every one of them travels a decently long distance to wrestle um, most weekends, you know, and it's that to me is just how you devote yourselves to something like that is, is crazy. I mean, I've, as of recently had to start packing my time into increments and get really to figure out what I need to do to fit into my busy schedule. And uh, I mean, I'm starting to realize that like, man, there's only so many hours in a day. And some of you guys, I just imagine, like, like you said, uh, you're not going to drive home after working out on Saturday in Minneapolis. You're just going to s- stay there on a mat that you w- worked out <laughs> on earlier in the day. You know, it's that's wild <laughs> to me. Yeah, yeah, it was. It sounds. It probably sounds rougher than it was, you know, because it was. It was a pretty decent place, you know. And I had another guy there we hung out with, and we'd go out and eat and do whatever. And 
uh, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't like we were making a lot of terrible sacrifices, but you know, that is one thing, the travel in this. And we talked to a lot of new students or potential students when in recruiting guys too. And one of the stark realities is there is just a lot of travel. You know, if you, you have to travel to train sometimes, just like I did. And, but when these shows start happening, you want to get on shows. I mean, some of these kids are just driving all over, putting a lot of miles, not just miles on the car or dollars in the gas tank, but you're spending a lot of time away from everyone else to chase this. So like a lot of things in life, it has to be worth it to you. You know, you just have to love it that much, you know, yeah. and, and that's good. I mean, I, I love that. That's part of the, the training thing I'm sure we'll get into is it's such a great thing to be a part of, to see that development of guys working their way through the system to eventually be the guy traveling all over the place, living, living their version of the dream or, or chasing a bigger dream. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's no different than like, this sounds so bad if I say it like verbatim, but like when I first started playing guitar, um, cause I, I mean, I played guitar growing up and stuff like that, but, uh, I, I didn't really have the chops to play well in public. So I didn't, I didn't do it until I was older, but I joined a band within the last you know three or four years. And, and one of the first pieces of advice somebody gave me was don't expect your friends to come along with you. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of like a it sounded heartless at the time, but it's like, man, you can't expect your friends to like go on these long drives with you. And like, you can't expect them to like take a 2 a.m. phone call to keep you awake while you're driving and stuff like that. Like this is, this is your dream and you got to want to do this. Uh, it's not, it's not up to everybody else to help you want to do this, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. Or, or you just meet some like-minded individuals and maybe, when it comes to those long car rides and I've done this too, I just call other guys that are also on their way home. Cause you know, they're just driving too, you know, yeah. and you can just, you can just talk to them now, you know? Yeah, that's perfect. I mean, that's, that's one of the big things I did was, uh, you know, you've, I travel quite a bit and I just found people that traveled as well and, and, uh, went with them on all these kind of crazy trips and stuff like that. But there is a lot of drive time, a lot of time behind the windshield alone with your own thoughts about things. And I mean, yeah, that, that is one of the, one of the things I always say too, is we all, we all gauge wrestling stardom by the, the 10 minutes under the bright lights that we so often see on, on TV or pay-per-view or at the live arena. But you know, there's just so much of that person's life as a performer that goes into just getting to that 10 minutes or 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is, it's minuscule compared to the rest of their life just to put them in that position. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was one of those things I started realizing, like going to shows. I mean, if anybody listened to the Troy podcast or, or any of the prior ones that I've done with uh, professional wrestling people, uh, I mean, I'm no, I'm not shy about driving to wrestling shows. I've done it a bunch. I'm, I'm not a professional wrestler. I'm just a, uh, a fan, I guess, uh, you know, a little bit of a hardcore fan or whatever. I don't know. But I, I, at one point in time, it was just, I'd go to shows on Friday and Saturday nights anywhere I could see them because those were nights that I knew most of the wrestling was on. So I would just, make sure I had those nights off and I drove, I mean, anywhere to go see wrestling. And it, it made me think sometimes, like, I mean, I'm driving to Des Moines to go watch some wrestling, but there's guys driving in from Chicago to wrestle in Des Moines. And it's like, I, I feel like I drove the farthest to get there just as a fan. And I'm not even the one driving <laughs> the farthest. The performers are driving farther than that, you know? And that's, it's, it's wild to think about that kind of stuff to have yeah, people driving stuff, from yeah. one end that, of the yeah, state to the next. still happens. Yeah, that is, that's crazy. Cause that, that stuff's still going on. You know, that happened a lot in the late nineties for me, 
when when I really started going, you know. So I guess getting back to my my introduction here. So I, I wrestled in Pepin, Wisconsin. That was my debut. That was uh, February of '97. So that's kind of when it all started for me. And I, I tell a lot of people this: is man, that that first match was so much fun. I was super nervous, of course, and 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 everything. And, and the performance is is always the first time out is is always so memorable, but always so terrible in, in terms of where you're eventually going to go with this. So, yeah. you know, when you talk about, I'll just loop, try to loop it back really quickly to your comment about your friends coming to see you so often in wrestling, you have your first few matches and then all your support, all your people come and see you, but that's when you're really your worst, right? I mean, yeah. if, you, if there was a way to hide and develop talent for a little while and let them, let them see you about a year in after you've gotten some, some confidence and some experience in, you're going to be 10, 20 times better than you would have been that first time. But then, of course, they've already seen you enough, and you, you probably don't get to wrestle in front of them at that point. So they, they, they don't know what they've, you know, you just don't know what you've missed, I guess, at that point. Yeah. I mean, that's a good, that's a really good point. I mean, you could always put somebody under a mask, but then they don't know how to develop their character um, and persona, you know, because they're under a mask. But it's, yeah, to, I totally get it it's uh that's crazy you know and at that time you know here there was just a couple of us that were from iowa in pro wrestling you know we had me from northern iowa and my buddy uh jay that was down in des moines we had juan Fernot over in the muscatine area but there was just nobody running shows that you we could find here again the internet was just getting going but uh you know there's a lot of old time guys up in that old awa you know eddie sharkey up there and, and ray webby and, and eventually ed hellier and the steel domain guys got rolling up there but there were certainly guys in patera and she had non-ransom stuff so getting plugged in jb trask had northern premiere so starting to get plugged into some of the minnesota promotions minnesota wisconsin uh i even worked a little bit in, in south dakota but the iowa bookings were very rare you know to, to find anything going on here but you know I, I got booked in nebraska i actually got to wrestle my trainer wayne bloom in a in a at like a county fair situation in a oh, ball cool. dime just humongous crowd it was great nails i bought a pair of boots off nails if you remember him uh yeah yeah i do <laughs> you know but uh you know, so I got to wrestle. You know, which, which Wayne became a hero of mine because he was a, he was a great trainer, and and you know, I just I loved working with him that that few times I got to. So, you know, I, I just started to branch out a little bit. And then one of the crazy things that, that I'll never forget is a buddy of mine that I trained with in uh, Minneapolis, who was from Kansas City. His name was James Grizzly. He was working for Harley Race in Eldon for World League Wrestling or World Legion Wrestling as it started out. Mm-hmm. And he referred a couple of the Iowa boys, me being one of the two, that he referred to Harley. And back then, we, you know, I didn't know—I don't even know if I had a, a cell phone at the time, but I had a landline with a voicemail. Like I remember Harley Race leaving me a voice message on my answer machine, and how I had to pace around the house for about 20 minutes to build up the courage and get my heart rate down from 200 <laughs> to call him back. You know, I was so. You know, I get I get starstruck and and, and, and fired up a little bit uh, to call a guy back. It probably sounded like I was running a marathon when I called him. You know, trying to calm down. Oh God, yeah, I can imagine. Like, uh, that's <laughs> that's something that's crazy. Like, I this starstruckness doesn't go away a hundred percent, no matter how many famous people you've met. There's still going to be some people out there that 
that are still going to wow you no matter how many you've met. And even like in a situation like this, you're going to do business with Harley. You know, you're, you're going to work for his company for, for one match, two matches. How long did you, how many matches did you end up wrestling down there? Oh yeah. Quite a few. You know, I started, oh, in, I think, I think 99 and this is, this is how, you know, have you ever seen the Netflix series Ozark? Okay. You know, I, you know, they've got they've got a lot of it filmed in Osage Beach, and Osage Beach was actually the first place I ever wrestled for Harley, and it was it was great because we had a I think it was a, a two day or a three day I think it was a two day deal a Friday and Saturday, so we went down there on a Friday, and he he set us up at the marina with a hotel, and me and Destiny each had our own. Uh, own bedroom connected to a living room. I mean, it was a suite. He put us up in a suite. Oh my Paid gosh. us really good for both nights. I, you know, we really thought we died and went to heaven. You know, as a, as a lot of guys in in wrestling will figure out here as as they travel on every time they come to a new promotion and meet a new group of guys, like oh my god, this is the place to go. I I need to move my family here. You know, yeah. we get so excited. I mean, it, that never happened. I mean, I felt the same way about Minneapolis. I was so excited to be up in that Minneapolis wrestling scene for a while. But then when I got introduced to Harley's crew, I, I, I fell in love with them too. It was just a crazy, I mean, we literally pulled into town and the guy in this huge building says world league wrestling on it. And there was a guy waiting for us. My old buddy, James Grizzly was like, follow me guys. It was straight to the bar to hang out with the rest of the crew, you know, it was, <laughs> and introduce everybody, you know, and get introduced to everybody there. And it was great. So yeah, we started in, in late 99 wrestling for Harley. And then, uh, you know, yeah, we just kind of worked for him the next few years. My buddy Jay actually did move down there and help train some of Harley's guys for a while at that world league school. Uh, but, That's uh, wild. yeah, it was just, it was crazy. You know, and on the Harley stuff, you know, working for him and, and, you know, I was always, I, I guess going back to the being starstruck a little bit, I'm kind of a, an introvert version of starstruck. I've seen enough guys, that get all fanboy and crazy and won't leave people alone. And, you know, I want to be the exact opposite of that. I, I yeah. try, you know, no matter how big the celebrity is, you know, if, I try to leave them alone or, or very much to treat them like a normal person and not, not try to take much of their time from them. But Dude, with Harley, yeah. I'm I mean, so glad he, you said he, that because that's like the more famous people I met, the more I realized that's kind of how they want to be treated is they don't want people to just always freaking out over them, you know, and uh, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of times they'll befriend you more if you're just treat them like a normal person. Yeah. Yeah. And that Harley was just so cool and, and so good to me personally too. I mean, yeah, there's, it's just spent a lot of time just not only in Eldon. When you think about that, coming from Algona, Iowa, driving down to Lake of the Ozarks. I mean, oh, those are some long. That's a that's a seven or eight hour car ride down that way too. Yeah, there's no you know? easy way to get down there, really. No, Missouri's Missouri's notorious for not having a lot of. You know, if you get off the interstate, everything's a curvy, windy, hilly road. Yep, yep. You know, so it's it's pretty brutal that way. But boy, we had a lot of fun working for Harley. But that led to in 2001. Harley needed some talent for a backstage fight, uh, or it was a bar fight at the uh, Deja Vu Strip Club in St. Louis. WWE was coming through, and they needed some extras for that. So, yeah, Harley called me up, and, and we went down there. It was about 10 of us. But for whatever reason, me and my buddy Jay got sat right at, at uh, right in the front front and center at the strip club and had to act. I had to, you know, put an Academy Award winning performance, act like I was having a good time at a, at a strip bar. And then the APA and the right to censor at the time 
You know, I mean, if you oh, remember yeah, those guys. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. APA. The white button down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A- so, APA was so, like super badass guys. That was Bradshaw. You were talking about him earlier. Yeah, yeah. And, Bradshaw. And, and right to Bradshaw censor was. Farouk. And what right to censor was pretty much the no fun guys. It was like Stephen Richards and uh, yeah, maybe Stephen Val Venice and uh, the Godfather and. Some other people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. They changed their names. So it was the Good Father. Oh yeah, and that's right. It was Bull Buchanan. Ivory was a part of it, and uh, yeah, Stevie Richards, Val Venus. I mean, they're and really, when you talk about guys like Val Venus, Bull Buchanan, JBL, and and uh, uh, I want to say Papa Shango, the Good Father. Yep. All those guys are very tall. You know. That oh was, yeah. Was Stevie Richards was more of a you know a six footer, but the rest of those guys are well over six foot. Oh yeah. But yeah, so this whole bar fight thing breaks down. They're breaking pool cues over each other and beer bottles and stuff and. Bull Buchanan jumped off the stage and, and punched my buddy, and he punches me. And it was just the way the whole scene laid out. They did a, a close-up shot of JBL and, and Bradshaw, or JBL and Farouk laying on the ground, and I just happened to be unconscious right in between them. So I got I got some good FaceTime for about two seconds. Oh, cool! Monday Night Raw. <laughs> That's awesome. Maybe I'll have to fire up WWE Network and <laughs> cruise around and find that footage, man. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was a pretty fun day, you know, because we got to go backstage and eat catering with everybody, and yeah, it's a whole cool experience because they had, you know, we came in with Harley, but then you see guys like Kane and Undertaker and Triple H and Austin, the Rock, all those guys are there, and they're they're kind of just, you know, all, all running up to Harley right away like he's the big celebrity, you know, because he was. He's so well respected and, and loved. You know that uh, yeah, he just had that effect on everybody. That that, and he was always very, very kind to all of them too. Well, it's it's you know it's like um, it's one of those things. Kind of like when I was talking about when I first started watching you, how you were. It was just kind of like oh cool, like th- this guy's wrestled all over the place. I know he's like one of those guys that's a legend around the area. That's kind of how the other guys felt about Harley. You know, it's uh, a lot of that in pro wrestling. There's a lot of respect for the elders and the people that came before you and kind of paved the well, way for you. There's a lot of that that yeah. goes on. Yeah, absolutely. And Harley is certainly a guy that, I mean, yeah, he had to fight his way out of a lot of situations and stuff too. And and those are the guys, those are the true veterans that, hey, this this whole business that we get to enjoy and and have a good time in, I mean, they they really did, you know, go, they sacrificed a lot to set the table for us, you know, so you can never respect them enough. And that goes kind of hand to hand with the training process too. And when you, when you train and learn how a lot of this stuff works in, in a way, it kind of hurts your fandom a little bit because you're seeing some of the magic and, and, and what goes into it. Mm-hmm. But the, the other side of it is, is it's so physical and so demanding and there are so many sacrifices. It does give you a whole different level of respect for the people who are very good at it. I mean, no matter what you think of guys that you see on TV that have made it that far or, or, or good performers at live events and things like that. I mean, those guys that have, have done so much, it's such a, a demanding lifestyle and, and so many things have to line up uh, to, to really be at that level that, I mean, they just have a, you know, I have nothing but respect for the people that make it that far because it is, it's so, and that's something I knew. I mean, right away that man, two things that really weeded me out very quickly uh, from pursuing this as a full-time career were that, Hey, I, I guess emotionally, I didn't like being gone from home that much. But even physically, man, I mean, no matter how strong I was or whatever, it was so rough that, I mean. Oh, man, I lost you there for a second. 
Oh, sorry. sorry. Uh, it was, Where did uh, I cut off? Uh, it was. It was so rough. <laughs> that sucks, man. <laughs> that's like that's like cliffhanger ending there. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was it was well, demanding on the road because of the time away from home, but it was also demanding because it was physically demanding. Right. Yeah. That, that's the only point I wanted to make is I just didn't think physically, no matter how strong I was or anything durable, it just. It was too tough to imagine doing this four or five nights a week. I just don't think my body would hold up to it. You know, it, it is. I and mean, that that's where the respect comes in because these guys are are given everything they have every time out. And it is it is a very demanding, physically tough business. Yeah. I You know, honestly, when I was growing up, I was like, dude, I'm going to be a pro wrestler. And I, I mean, I had the dream everyone else did. That's probably why I'm such a fan. But uh, one of the things that, that got me down on it was literally that, the physicality. Like when I went and first started seeing some pro wrestling matches, it was just like, dude, I don't even want to do the simple stuff where these dudes are just taking hip tosses and arm drags for the most part. You know, I don't even want to take a clothesline. You know, like I don't, <laughs> I don't want to take any bumps. I, I, I've seen so many matches that I see like when somebody takes a hip toss and over rotates a little bit and hits tailbone and not flat, you know, and it's like, Oh my God, that's got to hurt so bad. You know, just, just, you think like all oh, these, these people have been trained to try to figure out the best way to land, but it still sucks. You know, if they, yeah. a little bit of over rotation or under rotation or miscommunication and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, this guy got his head taken off or, you know, it's, it's wild to think about that kind of stuff because it happens, I'm sure, more frequently than uh, than anybody wants to admit. Right, right. Well, just just a real quick example that over rotation on something like that. I mean, if you if you land butt first when you rotate, a lot of times it isn't your butt that hurts you; it's the whiplash effect it has on your head. Oh, you know, God. so so you can have you know you can get an instant headache from from landing on your butt. You know, I mean, like that. So. I mean, yeah, they, certainly things, a lot of things you think don't hurt are the things that a lot of incidental contacts sometimes are the things that hurt the worst. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, like, that's the other thing that kind of just blew me away is like some of the built in physicality. I mean, it's it's understandable, but it's still there's so much that these people go through on a daily basis that uh, even in like what I would refer to as like uh more developmental matches, the simpler matches, like I was talking earlier, just like arm drags and hip tosses and simple things like that. It's like, that's, that's crazy. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to do that once, let alone repetitively through a match over and over and over again. And then you get to see somebody like take just a regular suplex and it's like, no, thank you, please. Like, (laughs) I mean, just the thought of doing that was the thing that, I don't know. Even if you watch somebody on TV, like snapping a suplex down, you know, that's the person that's doing the suplex. Like, like that's got to hurt too. You know, you watch Eddie, right. Gu- Eddie Guerrero snapping suplexes down. It's like, that's got to kill him just as much as it hurts the other guy, you know? Yeah. I always thought that way about you know, things like a Russian leg sweep or a, or a, a belly to back suplex where both guys are landing hard or, or leg drops. I mean, you're going to jump in the air, land on your own butt just to drop a leg on somebody. Oh my God, and I love yeah. the move. I, yeah. I, I love that move, but man, it does not make a whole lot of sense. No, man. That was one of the things when I was like watching in my younger years, watching like uh, Matt Hardy was the guy that would always do that. It was like, what are you doing? This like, you miss 50% of the time. It's got to hurt worse when you miss even, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't feel good when you hit it even like, and that's Hulk Hogan point, you know, case in point, the guy's beaten and beaten and broken down just from doing leg drops over and over again. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and those guys just going back to Harley too. I mean, they did you know everything. They may have bumped less, but they were doing it on much harder rings too. I mean, that was, yeah. It, and just the style of work that they did was much 
I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I shouldn't say that. It, much rougher because there's certainly some rough physical stuff going on nowadays too. Oh god! But I, yeah. I, I think, yeah. But I think you know, and the guy's not even using the ring. They're doing a lot of crazy bumps to the outside. You know. guardrails and that type of thing too but now i always i always kind of likened hey maybe they took less you know but i think it was a very hard-hitting style and also on very unforgiving surfaces yeah yeah i mean back then there was a lot of of brawling involved but like like you said though when they would take bumps a lot of the bumps were were crazy it's you know pile drivers and power bombs and you know just a regular old suplex to the outside that can't feel good you know and just just stuff like that it's none of that None of that's anything I want to do, but like nowadays you got guys doing all sorts of flips and stuff and, and just some of the crazy athleticism you see uh, coming out these days. Like we were talking about uh, suplexes, like that's, that's too basic of a move for some of the, the athleticism that goes on nowadays. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, you see how, how the game has sped up so much, you know, and how contemporary le- wrestling has so many you know, hard hitting strikes and kicks and, 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 you know, so many quick transitions and back and forth. And mm-hmm. it, it's very fast, you know, which, you know, Hey, I, I'm still a fan of everything, you know, and I, I look at that stuff and say, man, you know, I, I have slowed way down. I mean, these, these kids that, that we've got now coming through guys like uh, Bryce Jordan and, and Nathan Edwards, you know, there's just Gable Galileo. I mean, these guys are running all over the place and, and doing a lot of things that are, are just, incredible yeah i mean that's that takes us uh kind of close to where i wanted to make sure we got to um as far as as you knowing some of these younger wrestlers in the area but uh how did how did you meet up with troy from impact pro wrestling you know that's a you know that's a great story and i I know he had said this on on his uh interview he had too is he had booked a show. I kind of met him over a, a message board, you know, just about trying to put a show together in Iowa mm-hmm. in that Oskaloosa area. And we kind of got it. And I had, of course, had a ring, you know, because I kind of skipped over some of my stuff too. But I, I got into training some guys, uh, local guys here uh, back in the late 99 to 98, 99, 2000, started, started actually working with other people. Cause I had enough people hit me up at, at shows and stuff wanting to get into oh, cool. the wrestling. So, so I had a, you know, I built a ring, a 20 footer. No way. And then, uh, <laughs> I didn't like the way, yeah, it had a, yeah, it had a lot of nuts and bolts to it and it was always getting, needing a lot of maintenance and stuff. So I actually sold it off and then built the 18 footer. Now that we tr- still travel with, Oh. There was a much, much better ring. Cool. But, uh, <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, so yeah, you talk about, you know, the, 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 the kid in the candy shop. I mean, I, I, you know, that's one of those things that, man, I couldn't imagine as a, as a teenage kid, the fact that I'd actually have my own ring and, and, and travel around and get to do this. I mean, it's, in, it is such a lottery win of fun. And I, I've met so many great people along the way, but no, the, the, the getting with Troy here. So I, I had a little training program that, that I had guys like Devin Carter and Havoc, uh, very early on. Kenny Backwash was one of my very first students, uh, you know, who wrestled, uh, throughout the Midwest with me on many occasions. I mean, we, that'd kind of be my, my deal. I'd go to a town, uh, and I'd have a, a guy or two booked with me that would help me set up and tear down, but we'd get to wrestle if not each other, but other guys on the show. And it was kind of a, a nice package deal. Mm-hmm. So and that's really what happened with Troy too, is, is, uh, you know, and I didn't know him at first, knowing, you know, and I, I've talked to a lot of guys that, 
say they're going to change the world and do all this stuff. And Troy never said anything like that, but he wanted to put a show on and wanted to rent the ring and wanted me to wrestle on it. He had seen me wrestle in Minnesota when I was up there. And uh, so, yeah, we worked out an agreement. And the day of the show, we had ice in northern Iowa, an ice storm, and I ended up jackknifing the trailer, which luckily my buddy Kenny Backwash's dad owned a body shop, and he had a wrecker to actually pull us straight. It was just crazy. No oh, man. Crazy situation. But, yeah, it was probably, you know, sunny and nice in uh, February down in Oskaloosa, but it was nasty up here. Mm-hmm. And Troy had to actually cancel. So the first show we were ever going to do together didn't happen. Oh, and no. then we – we rebooted in May and uh, ran a show, May of 2001, under the banner. Before we called it Impact Pro Wrestling, it was Midwest Championship Wrestling. Nice. And uh, it worked out really well because I had some students and in, in, in stuff there that we could get guys on on some of the shows and then you know set up and tear down the ring and party till the butt crack of dawn afterwards it was such a it was, it was a lot of a lot of good times there but yeah so i just started wrestling and, and setting the ring up for troy uh back in 2001 wow so yeah i mean like, that's that's pretty much the beginning you were with him since the beginning of impact pro wrestling then yeah very first show very first show that's crazy yeah, you know, and, and and he he was so great as far as you know, as far as a promoter that was so well intended. I mean, certainly, you know, early on when you don't know people, you just need guarantees of things. Hey, I, you know, this is what I get paid, and you know, you have certain expectations, you know, when you come into it. And I think you learn that because if you don't do that, sometimes it goes the other way too. I mean, don't get me wrong, wrestling can be a lot of fun, and there's a lot of good people in it, but there is there's another side to it where it can be extremely selfish so you have to kind of know what you're getting into and and who you're dealing with you know yeah. and, and and be okay with the, the the situation but troy was from the very beginning just awesome to work with and and, and super friendly have you ever talked to him? i mean a guy can can talk forever and he's very knowledgeable on many subjects and and you know so we we hit it off pretty early on and uh yeah just from then on it pretty much every show had me and some of my friends and whoever else that they would book from from other areas and that's kind of what he did to start off with he had to pull guys in because we didn't have a ton of talent right in iowa and it's a much different scene now where you've got different camps and 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 different uh trees of training and learning that guys are all over the place now it's very easy to to fill up a show with good talent because there's a lot of good guys all across not just our state but the surrounding states but but back then, yeah, that's kind of how we got got things rolling with Impact Pro Wrestling. I think we changed the name to IPW in 2003 when we started running shows in Delta, a really small town in southeast Iowa. And that was just a ton of fun. You know, it was Impact Pro Wrestling was a big deal on a Saturday night in Delta, Iowa. You know, and that that felt great. That was a, that was a real good time. But boy, Troy, yeah, that that relationship has has been uh what's really to be honest with you i mean i i probably would have turned in my my boots not just boots my ring and everything many years ago if it hadn't been for his friendship i mean he, he really keeps me motivated and, and going with this because it's just you know just i guess frankly just too fun to not do you know it's just too much fun to to not be a part of oh god that's that's so fun to hear i mean uh as, as far as 
if it wasn't for people like you doing this and putting on the shows, I wouldn't have had anything to keep me entertained through my 20s, you know? Um, it was... I went to so many Impact shows, uh, whether it be in Algona or whether it be in Des Moines um, or your county fair shows. You always had a run of county fair shows every summer. Um, the Hall of Fame. Yeah, we brought the Hall of Fame show. Harley, yeah, you know, just getting back to that Humboldt County Fair. Mm-hmm. You know, in 2009, we brought Harley Racing for that one. Yeah, and that was, that was if I'm being honest, that was the very first independent wrestling show that I saw um, that I chose to go to. And I was just kind of like, yeah, I'll go, you know, whatever. And I was, I talked about it on the Troy podcast a little bit, but it was, I remember handfuls of things about it still that, uh, are burned in my mind. I remember sitting five feet away from Harley race. Uh, just, he's, he's right there, you know? And it was just like, <laughs> what is this? You know, this is insanity. I'm in, I'm at the Humboldt County fair and some of the some of the most memorable moments of, of my watching wrestling are come from, you know, obviously the first few shows I saw, but I still remember so much about that. Um, you know, I thought that was funny. I heard, I heard your, your discussion with Troy and I thought, man, you went in 2009, that was your first one, but we actually opened our permanent training facility at, that we called the vault that we did shows in in Algona in 2006, the fall of 2006. Yep. We were pretty much running shows every four to six weeks, just 25 miles north of. Yeah, no you know? kidding. And that was the other thing is like I um I knew a guy from Humboldt that wrestled. It was uh Brandon Brandon Bost, I believe. Yeah, Brandon and Dylan both. Yeah, yeah. they they trained I believe right around the 2009 timeframe. I actually wrestled Brandon one-on-one at uh, Rustics, a bar downtown there. Yeah. uh, I missed that show and I'm so mad. I mean, you had people literally jumping out of the rafters at that show. Yeah. The super Cito kid dove out of the, I mean, that was like a, I mean, to to watch that, I mean, that was scary because it looked like he was skydiving. He fell so far from that balcony. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was fine. Everything worked out, but I mean, yeah, that makes your heart skip a beat when you see stuff like that, you know, and (laughs) yeah, to like the average listener listening, you don't practice that. You're not going to run through it 10 times to make sure it works out. Okay. It's yeah. You know, and that's a kid too. I mean, he was such a talented, the the kid who played, did you see super Cito wrestle much? No, no. Oh man. Yeah. He was, he was a very talented guy, very quick and sudden and yeah, he could do, he could do damn near anything. You know, he, he had, he had like the photographic reflexes. If he saw it done on TV, it seemed like he could just do things. Oh, that's crazy. That's super crazy. Um, man, I mean that, and that is crazy to think though, that too, that for like three years before I even knew you guys were, I mean, before I knew, about going to shows in Algona, you guys were running shows in Algona, which is literally just like 20 minutes from my house, you know? <laughs> and, and so I was thinking like, man, that's, that, that is pretty crazy, you know, for all the, all the years that I've been going to shows up at the vault in Algona to think about that, like, uh, God, I remember the first vault you guys, cause you guys moved at one, on one occasion, you guys were in, right, right. You guys were in there. Uh, there was like a garage door, uh, to the vault and there was, that was the coolest thing ever because there was all sorts of seating in there, um, folding chairs and and couches and and lawn chairs and recliners, and it was it was insanely fun to go to shows there. Uh, yeah, that was that was we had a lot of space there, and we used to have a lot of workout equipment there too. That was a mm-hmm. real fun place to train, just because you had all this extra these extra amenities. Now, 
what we what we gathered, you know, and we've always had heat. That, that's been a nice thing, a permanent. You could train all winter long and crank the heat up, and you had a refrigerator, and people mm-hmm. would people would do the long drive to Algona because I mean Algona is not next door to a lot of people. So we had students coming from from the Quad Cities or from Omaha or, or even west of Omaha, and then or you know Minneapolis and, and and down, and they could they could stay overnight if they wanted to, and they could you know work out again on Sunday if 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 that worked out, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, we did a lot of our training on Saturdays, but it, it kind of became it just kind of like the the situation that I had, and that, that's something I did want to create too. Is let's make something as welcoming, and that's something we look at from a training perspective too. Is wrestling is difficult, it is dangerous, and we we kind of feel pretty seriously that. It's our job to make it as easy and safe to learn. That makes you know, sense. And, yeah, and, and and try not to you know, try to make it a place where the people feel welcome. You know, I don't. I, don't I, I always say, hey, man, it's not a cult. You know, you need to live your life and and do your own thing. But at the same time, I mean, we want everybody to feel welcome when they come in because we all like the same thing, right? It should it should bring us together. And, and you know, maybe the music community is like this, but I know wrestling is. Is even though we all like the same thing, that sometimes people just don't get along yeah yeah um i'll i'll say it so you don't have to yeah the re- the music community and the wrestling community have very many parallels in that aspect um i mean it's it's rare to see people not get along in pro wrestling because a lot of times they just won't get booked on shows together or be around each other um i mean as far as that goes but from a training perspective that makes total sense to want to make it um as honest and inviting as possible does some of that have to do with the fact uh that uh, is all wrestling training starting to go that direction or uh, because it's kind of come out of the woodworks or uh, like, how does, how does it differ that way than, yeah, you know, like back in the seventies and eighties and nineties. Oh, cut off. <laughs> Give me just a second. dude. You cut out there. Oh no. Did I lose Travis? Oh no! We're getting. I, oh, here we go. We got some audio now. Yeah, I can. I can still hear you. Okay, so you can still hear me. So, like, how did all that? How did all that differ then till now? And is it is it all like that now? Or well, I don't know. I, I can only speak for really what we do, and I, I'm really proud of, of the effort that me me and a lot of other guys have done. And, and I've been a trainer for two decades now, but you never do this type of thing alone. I've had a lot of people help and be a part of that program along the way guys that really contribute and add a lot to the, you know, I, I don't know if you ever saw Johnny fitness wrestle. Yes. Have you ever seen him at all? Yes. Yeah. I he, mean, he keeps in contact with me on Twitter every now and then, even though I'm not as active as I used to be, but um, it's still fun. Cause he'll still send me messages and, and tweet me every now and then it's, it's cool to hear. Man, from him. I mean, I, I really recruited him hard because I I'd worked around him and seen him at the gym and stuff here in, in town. And he was just such a phenomenal look and a phenomenal athlete you know i'd seen him you know out, out and about but he was cutting promos on people well before he ever got into wrestling so he he just had all these elements that made for a great wrestling star he had a great look great functional strength great athleticism but a very quick wit to do great promos you know just a real entertaining fun guy to listen to man he was a he was a star before we ever got a hold of him really and, and just a fun guy to, to be in the ring with or to, or to see wrestle just big fan of, of watching him be in front of crowds yeah you know, but he, he did a lot to help us i mean he, he really him troy and i really got the vault took it up from 
uh, a training that was in, you know, I, I trained guys like AJ Smooth and Tony Sly and Matty Starr, mm-hmm. Montoya X, those, uh, Mick Mayhem, a lot of those guys, Devin Carter, all trained in a, a warehouse space, kind of like a garage stall. It didn't have any heat. It was cold in the winter and hotter in hell in the summertime. And, you know, but we took it up a notch when Johnny Fitness got involved. Him, Troy, and I all went in and we made the put the vault together in 2006 where it was just big enough where you could have small shows. You know, you probably fit 100, 130, 40 people in there. But it was a great, great way to advance and evolve the training and he was a big piece of that you know early on and uh, he contributed to a lot of a lot of the actual hands-on training for a lot of our guys you know he was he was very valuable to us not just in front of the crowd but but uh training and developing a lot of our young talent so uh you know are, so just, are, are you still training up there now um as the head trainer <laughs> No, no. So now I guess to go through some of our evolution there in training is, I mean, the, really the whole reason we have had it here in Algona is just because it's convenient for us. We lived here. So all the students had to drive so far. So we from 2006 to th- 2011, we were on Highway 18. In 2011, we, we actually moved downtown Algona right on Main Street. Yep. And uh, so from 2011 to 2018, we stayed in uh, there and then in 18 we decided to move it to collins iowa Mm -hmm. so from 2018 to right now we've been working more in central iowa and that that's worked out really well that place has got air conditioning it's it's a much nicer more modern training center Mm -hmm. but uh you know and it's also i mean it's not quite quite as big as some of the spaces we've had but it's certainly big enough we've got our our training ring just stay set, set up all the time there uh, you know, we travel with, with a different ring here, but we just leave one ring set up to train and the guys from central Iowa have easier access to it. And the guy running the show now is a guy that I worked with in 2007 is an 18 year old kid by the name of James Jeffries. No way. That's super cool. James. Yeah. James is, is coaching guys and he's doing a fantastic job. But before, before I say too much about James, I got a lot to say about him and, and the kind of guy he is. Uh, you know, back, you know, we trained our first class at the, at the vault on highway 18, we had guys like Marshall Scott, Justin decent, big country, Anthony Draven, the one night stand, Sean Roman, all those guys were in the same class in, in January of 2007. That's cool. And then you get, you get to August of 2007. I had, I want to say six to eight guys in this camp and the only two that really made it all the way through. And not that, not that we're weeding guys out or trying to make them quit. They just didn't, they didn't make it far enough to actually have matches. But the two guys that did mm-hmm. both 18 year olds in 2007, James Jeffries and the big picture. Oh, cool. They were actually classmates, you know, wrestling classmates. I mean, they didn't, when one was they're from different parts of the state, but mm-hmm. yeah, they didn't know each other before they, they came to train. But that's what's, that's what I love about the wrestling. Just like I, when I went through that process, you're going through a mutual experience with, with these guys, you're all learning together. You're spending a lot of time together. So even though you don't know each other, you have that bond that kind of ties you that, Hey, we kind of went through this together. It's not, it's not like the Navy SEALs or a D one football program. I like to tell people, but it is something cool that, that you accomplish and you do it together. You know, there's not a lot of teamwork in wrestling, but that is something where there is a sense of, uh, belonging to that. So, uh, but back in 2008, 
two guys that came through that I, I really had a great time working with were Ugly and Nikki Free. Nice. Have you, if you remember those guys I at do, all. I do, yeah. But uh, Ugly, I mean, he was making the trip to Algona from Shakopee, Minnesota. So that's a good two and a half hours one way. Jeez. And when he started, this is what's great about Ugly. And when he, and this is this is devotion too, because when he started making that trip in 2008, he just never stopped. I mean, he was either coming to train or help other people train. Yeah, that's good. You know, so so as as the years went on, and he was always there and always helping out. I mean, he eventually did most of our hands-on, if not all. I mean, at one point, it was all of our hands-on. You know, I would come in and sit in, but, I mean, he was doing such a great job. It wasn't like I was going to say something. He wasn't missing anything that I was seeing, you know. So I would love to see guys develop and, and, and watch them and point out things when I could, but you know, he did a great job with them. And I'll just say this about about ugly work. I mean, working with guys, he, he was a good coach. But he was just a great guy to watch as, as a talent, as a performer. I mean, very creative yeah. and uh, very, very fun to watch. I always, you know, I'm a fan. I, I see a lot of these guys come off the street and, and, and we're just with a dream. Hey, they just want to want to give it a try. And, and I, I take that pretty seriously that, that we're going to do our best to put him in that position, you know, safe and entertaining is what we're after. And to see guys make that progression and get to that, that, that uh, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, I like to say, you know, to, to make it to where they're working in front of crowds just to get that far. You know, it, it's it's great. It's a great uh, sense of accomplishment. You know, I, I'm i really proud of the work these guys put in. And then to see guys like Ugly take it and just continue to evolve and become such a fun guy to watch. Well, then I don't just become their coach. I become a fan. You know, I'm a huge fan of, of guys like Maddie Starr and Ricky Love and, and Nathan Edwards and, and James Jeffries in the big picture. I mean, there's there's so many of them that have come through. I, I hate to leave somebody off the, the list of favorites because there's a lot of guys. I just I get such a kick out of watching in that ring. But but Ugly certainly one of them. Very memorable. You know, a lot of these county fairs we go to, he's got the ugly stick and the face paint mm-hmm. and the charisma. And, and a lot of guys, a lot of those people going to those shows remember who he is. So yeah. that, that's a... Yeah, he, he's he's been a great uh, help to us through the years. But as he wound down his wrestling career, he, he actually retired in Waterloo at the Hall of Fame show. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we decided to go with James Jeffries as the head trainer and move the whole operation to Collins. Uh, Troy's more involved now. He does a lot of promo classes with the guys and, and trying to develop characters and stuff. But you know, the thing is, if there's a selling point, to training it's just that the the thing people have to ask themselves is hey not how much it costs or, or how far i have to drive to get there and i get it because i i live this myself you know and those are the questions i have too but the question i would encourage guys to really ask is what are my opportunities going to be when i finish are, are the people i'm working with going to put me in the ring in front of crowds and, and that's i like to say that because as you know this peter nobody runs as many shows as impact pro wrestling around here around the local area so mm-hmm. troy does an excellent job of creating opportunity because he's got a great mind for that too he, he I, I like the the training element and the performing element of it and he loves the the creative challenges of putting these people in a position to live out their dreams and create opportunity for him you know maybe a guy is going to be a manager, a bodyguard, or a, a tag team partner, or a little brother—you know, whatever, whatever the story is going to be—but he's going to come up with some way 
to introduce new talent and, and get them in front of crowds. Because once you get in front of a crowd, you can only start to continue your evolution of uh, and progression of getting better. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's yeah, no, there's no way to really do it other than get out there and do it. You know, um, there's only so much training you can have and that goes for what literally every job. There's only so much training you can have until you get into a real world situation and you're like, Oh, this is, this is a, this is an example where this isn't going to be the situation because of this, you know, and you only learn that because of the real world situation, you know? Right now. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of musical parallels to this. I mean, uh, we can teach guys how to wrestle in front of no crowd and do A, B, and C and tackle, drop down, hip toss, and and all these all these things and and heats and comebacks and match fragments and and try to put everything together in a camp setting. But then when you put them in front of a live audience, then you have to deal with the stage fright. And this is something we talk to our our, our kids about a lot. Is man, there's there's not a lot we can do to prepare you for that. It's just like you're you're kind of starting training over in some form or fashion with, because I, I liken it to mu- music music because you can play the guitar forward backwards with your eyes closed, but then put you in front of a crowd of a few hundred people and see how that changes your your performance. Yeah, you know the, the nerves and the anticip the anxiety and and you get amped up. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's another thing I think about how many how many guys get blown up there's that term again from just nerves going out there their first time is that a thing that happens oh absolutely and i I don't and i wouldn't i wouldn't limit it to just the first time i would every time i wrestled i would be super excited and and yeah i'd my heart would be beating you know 100 miles an hour before i ever went out there and but to the detriment though is then your your energy tank is about half full sometimes when you're starting yeah. You know, so you have yeah. to, you do have to manage that kind of like the things we talked about before. You're just not as, you're not as sharp on your detail work if you're too apprehensive or too tired. Yeah. That makes total sense. I mean, that's gotta be a crazy thing to try to relay to somebody or, or, uh, I'm sure be, being around the training of so many wrestlers over the years, you've kind of dealt with this a lot where guys come back and they're like, I don't know what happened out there. You know, I went out there at the beginning and I felt like this. And after a while, I kind of settled in and everything got normal. But, uh, I mean, I'm sure it's just one of those things. You just got to go out there and do it repetitively to get used to the fact that you're going out there doing it. You do, you know, and there's been, I've had a lot of preconceived notions about how, how different people were going to perform. And and I'll give you an example of one, you know, kind of going the other way is, is I saw Sean Roman, who we, one of our class of 2007 guys, a good friend of mine, you know, and, but at the time I thought he was real rigid in the ring. and didn't have much personality when we were, when we were doing our workouts and we put him in a tag match down in Muscatine and boy, when he came in front of a crowd, it was like a different human being, you know, and, and he was just so, you know, so much personality and charisma and so loud and, and demonstrative. But when we got to the back and, you know, I remember running up to him like, where'd this come from, man? I mean, we never saw this, you know, all this, all this personality, you had so much in you that we never saw, you know? Yeah. And, uh, cause you, I kind of expected to go the other way. I, I, I'd expect him to showboat a lot in a camp setting. Mm-hmm. And then have stage fright out in front of people. But yeah, he was a great example of the absolute opposite, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, that's great to see too. when people just come out of their shell and, and sometimes it isn't a first time thing and it does stay like with even myself, it took a long time of being in front of crowds to really loosen up and just let it rip, you know? And I, and I, I worked around some really good guys when I first got started too. I, a couple of guys like, uh, Danny Dominion and a steel. I mean, guys that yeah. were, 
you know, about the same age as me, but had started wrestling way earlier out of Windy City. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, and they were always super cool to me. And, and I only got to wrestle each one of them once, but, you know, they just had so much more experience. And, you know, just guys, and you need guys like that to to be there to, to more experienced people to kind of help you through uh, some of these things as you get acclimated to being live. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 totally understand where you're coming from because you can't really have crowd interaction without a crowd and you can't really have a crowd at training because that's what training's for so yeah um you run into this weird situation of how well are these people going to interact with people that get in front of them and you might end up with a situation where somebody lets something loose that they couldn't have beforehand you might also run into situations where it's like uh, one guy's the good guy the other guy's the bad guy and and how does the good guy know when the perfect time to do what he needs to do is or how does the bad guy know when he needs to showboat and flex a little bit after he pokes the dude in the eye or something you know how is how does he know when a well-timed poke in the eye is going to work when the crowd is x amount amped up you know it's some of those ring psychology things that um a lot of people don't ever think about kind of like you going into your first training session and it's just you're just slamming each other around you're not really working on an arm or anything like that to try to get everyone (laughs) riled up Right. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. Talking about that, that's more like just an adult jumping in uh, an adult with a kid's mind being in a bouncy house is what that was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But when it came time to train and that for them to actually teach us, I mean, it was, it was pretty serious business. You know I mean? We we could ask questions of things like that, but even then, even in 96, I mean, they were still pretty protective of things, you know I mean? They didn't, they didn't want to, and really I, I just, you know, I have, no ego about this because I had no idea at the time when I started all these terminologies like Mark and kayfabe and heel and fate. I mean, I knew none, absolutely none of it, you know? So all of that I had to learn very, you know, I was already training when I started learning some of that stuff. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's kind of crazy because some of these terms uh, get bantied about, you know, it's sometimes too much by everybody. And it's, I mean, you go to a show and you enjoy a show too much and someone's like, look at this, Mark. And it's like, what are you, what are you talking about? Um, you know, <laughs> I'm the one here that's like paying the, you know, paying the wages to get in here or whatever. But, but it's, I don't know. Some of it is just a, it's a crazy thing to try to get into the world of wrestling and how deep people want to let you in once you kind of get in. Cause it, even, <laughs> even nowadays it still is a little bit shielded. Right. Yeah. Well, I think part of it goes in, you want to protect a little bit just because of the magic we talk about. We don't want to know exactly how the magician's not cutting the woman in half. I think that's the the, the popular reference, right? You know, Mm -hmm. we know she's not being murdered, but you know, you kind of want to know and you kind of don't, I, you know, you watch these exposés on things too, uh, you know, on magic, magic in particular, I think wrestling draws a lot of parallels to other forms of entertainment, you know, and go as far as comedy, rock shows or, or concerts you know i mean just like putting matches together or shows together you want to hit them with something really solid right away but maybe not your maybe not your best thing but something right up there right out of the gate you know whether it's a comedian delivering a, a real strong set that he's got to get things rolling get people loosened up mm-hmm. or it's a band they're going to play one of their top five hits first you know to let you know they're there mean a business that's gonna you're gonna have a good time i, I think there's a lot of things that you can see, and as shows build or as matches build, you know you can see just the parallels of concerts. You know, I, I I love going to concerts, but if there's four bands on the bill, the first two three bands don't have all the the pyro and lighting and 
in stage props that the last few bands do, right? Yep. The show kind of the show builds, and you know, they oh man, this guy's on a boom now, and now we got freaking lasers and all this other crap. You yep. know, it, you know, it just it builds, and they just keep keep exposing you to bigger and bigger things, and and hopefully that's how matches can be built, and that's how shows kind of are. You know, the 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 match is kind of a microcosm of the show in some some aspects. Mm-hmm. You know, just how it should be built. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I mean, I've always been entertained by that. There, I feel like there's a lot of actual psychology that goes uh, hand in hand with wrestling. Um, not too long ago, I was listening to a, a, a psychology podcast, but and uh, they were talking about some of the aspects of um, the terminologies that people um, in the like. Uh, this is going to be be so weird. Like back in the day in wrestling if you were a mark you were somebody that believed it was it was real you know and uh, a mark to somebody in a carny setting is somebody that's easy to trick out of their money and that's where like the term originated way like hundreds of years well yeah, 100 plus actual, years ago yeah the mark was actually because they would take chalk or coal or some means and they would actually mark the clothing of a person that they they thought they could they could uh, swindle money from, so yep. that as that person went around the 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 fair or, or carnival or whatever, other carnies would know they could take advantage of the guy. Yeah, I mean, so, that's, yeah, so that has a real deep rooted ancient terminology there. So a lot I mean, of these a lot of these terminologies actually come from like these weird psyche things that you can think about um, as far as just general things like that. It's it's a very deeply rooted thing uh, as far as terms and and the way psychology works out um you built i mean even just from like a, a fan to watch wrestling like i know how some of this stuff happens but not knowing how the match is going to play out is probably the most fun aspect because uh it's kind of like you said like if you if you show someone how you saw the woman in half the next time you see somebody saw a woman in half, you're instantly just going to be cynical and be like, "Well, that's dumb because they're just they're hiding it this way, you know, or whatever." Like I've seen, yeah. I've seen the three cups and the one ball trick. This is what happens, and it's like, yeah, I hated the uh, wrestling exposés where they showed people putting microphones underneath the ring to make it sound louder, or promoters handing signs to fans as they came in to make it look. I mean, we've never done anything, and I have never seen anything like that happen. I mean, I've been on a lot of shows in a lot of different places and I, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody do that. You know, I'm not saying it hasn't happened or doesn't happen, but it's gotta be pretty rare. Yeah. I mean, you got to assume in some of like the super big shows, like, uh, WWE, they got to mic the ring up because otherwise, how are they going to hear it? You know, like where's the, where's the mic audio coming that you hear these guys slamming in to the ring, you know, there's gotta be a microphone somewhere near the ring. So there's like obviously different places where you kind of just based on the sound aspect would have to have something like that set up, but yeah, like, so you know, an amplified, yeah, amplified yeah. bump. but you're not like pumping in crowd noise and things like that. And in, into the vault or down, down in Des Moines at your Des Moines shows and things like yeah, that. You absolutely know? not. Yeah. None of our County fairs, we're never miking the ring or anything like that. You know, I, I just I think things like that are done to kind of cheapen and already, wrestling has kind of a tough image anyway and a lot of people look down on it and you're kind of constantly fighting that so i just i hate when there's more uh gasoline thrown on that that uh perspective you know because yeah we never talk about any anything that's good or you know the, the money that's been raised for charities and things like that through professional wrestling avenues it's always got to be something negative and maybe yeah maybe i've just got a, a sore spot for that but I, i'd rather 
hey, there's there's a lot of good out there and a lot of good good folks out there. So, hey, you know what? Let, let me wrap it back towards uh, James Jeffries. And we talked about him being in that class of 2007. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why I, I really wanted to, to talk to you a little bit because I had so much exposure to all these guys that are currently out in the in the Midwestern uh, yeah, wrestling scene now. But, uh, yeah, I don't think they come any, any better than, than James Jeffries. So he was he was a great choice as far as how he was as a student he was an athlete in high school and, and uh, a great student we had you know, training. I mean, I, I talk about there's there's just been a handful of guys that come through. And we've had some good guys here lately. But guys like Nathan Edwards, like Maddie Starr, and like James Jeffries, in my mind, stand out as guys who they'd run, they'd run spots, they'd run drills with other guys. And they're always helping guys up, high-fiving, and being a good teammate that way, you know, mm-hmm. and that's something that I, I, I love to see that. And he was, he was a good, James Jeffries was a good teammate from day one, always trying to help guys. And, and that's like Nathan Edwards too. When, when guys are in a camp setting and they could be thinking of, Hey, what am I going to do? What is It's all about I all the time. But, but these guys, I, I can remember seeing Nathan Edwards coming up with stuff for Tyler Jones, you know, Hey, you could do this or you could do that. And, and really trying to, to help broaden, other guys offensive move set instead of just worrying about themselves all the time. I, I love seeing some of that unselfishness play out, uh, in, in the camp setting. And, and also day of the show guys are, are trying to help each other and, and everybody's putting their hand in that pile. And that's, that's very rewarding for me to see guys mature, not just as, as performers, but as adults too, and just being, being good to each other that way. Yeah. I mean, that's gotta be crazy as you watch these guys just slowly start to go from being somebody that's being trained to just without knowing it helping train somebody else uh whether it be with uh you know just like a a friendly high five like you said or like helping them run through something else or giving them a pointer on some of their move sets oh maybe you toss one of these in there or something like that yeah yeah just just being supportive because you never know i mean everybody you know there's six guys that are working out like we have now a group of six a couple gals and, and four guys, but you don't know really what, what their support system is like outside of these four walls. You know, Hey, we all want to be positive and, and, and push each other to be better, but you don't know if they've got a lot of support at home or, or they're in their circles, you know? So I, I think it's great when they have a place to come to that's, a, that's inviting. And again, it comes from the top down. It comes from Troy, from me, from James Jeffries. And that's why James is, is such a great pick to, to lead this too is because you couldn't find a more loyal guy, a, a more, a, a more true guy that you would want others to emulate as far as, you know, how hard he works, uh, at, at being, and I like to use the word ambassador because he really embodies what I would like people to think of when they see him perform and they see him taking pictures. He always has time for every kid, every fan there, if they want a picture, they want an autograph. If, if they want a minute of his time, I mean, yeah. he has, he has time for everybody. He's never, the moment's never too big. He, he himself's never too big for anybody or, any, you know, so I just think, yeah, I, I don't know. So maybe I'm not yeah, articulating that as, as well as I mean it, but uh, yeah, if you would want a poster child for how we would like guys to show up, the closer they can, if they aim to be, as as valuable as James Jeffries is to us, I mean, you know, that's that's a great goal to have. 
Yeah, I mean, he's always one of the first people out there uh, talking to fans at intermission and always one of the last people to go back uh, after talking to fans. He's always super friendly. He's been super friendly to me. He's friendly to everyone. Um, I, yeah, I don't know yeah, if I've ever really, seen him not smile unless somebody was beating on him, you know? And, and there's and there's certainly an element. The guys are trying to sell merch and stuff, but but with with him and with a lot of guys, too, I don't want to just say he's the only one like this, but but with James, it's genuine. I mean, he, he wants to – he wants to, to – to, to do well he wants impact pro wrestling to do well i mean it, any promotion he's working for he, he wants everybody to to succeed and uh, he wants everybody that buys a ticket and this is the important thing he wants everybody that's that's giving them a saturday night of their life you know to inter- be entertained he wants he wants to make sure we're doing our job there you know so that, that's that's a big thing to me is hey the ticket price is one thing. Hey, it's 15 bucks in Des Moines to go see wrestling, a night of wrestling, the best we can possibly give you. But, hey, you're giving us a Saturday night. We we don't take that lightly. I mean, everybody works all week to get to Saturday, and we want that to be as fun and memorable as we can make it. So, And, and, that's, and that goes from developing the actual talent to Troy putting the shows together, booking out the, the angles and the feuds and, and, and how we're going to introduce different people and where do we go next time, this episodic format. I mean, there's so many things and so many really hours spent on prep, you know, and we, we talk about that a lot in the, in the training dome. And that is, Hey, you know, we all take it very seriously, the time and money people pay to let us do what we love to do. So, I guess they deserve. I, I'd like to say, and this is something we kind of put in our little handout to hand, hand out to our students too. Is hey, they deserve our best preparation or our best best execution. You know, so that's that's something that we're we're constantly all all of us working together shooting for. Yeah, I it's it's so good to have a, a positive support group like that, and and to know your general purpose, like uh, the fact that these people not only you guys as a group, as wrestlers and promoters and everybody putting the show on, you guys aren't the only ones sacrificing a night to do something. It's all the people that are going to see you live as well. Oh they're, yeah. They're sacrificing yeah, yeah. their night as well. Yeah. No, and that, I guess maybe I didn't say that. That's what I meant. Yeah. yeah is that, no, is that the fan? Yeah. The fan just, is, is giving us that time. Yeah. I was just reiterating. I mean, that's very important to think of because if, if you guys wanted to, you could run a show every weekend and just kind of, half-ass it and call it good enough but that's not going to be memorable and and you know exciting for the people that are going to see the show you know it's yeah you're not shortchanging what you're bringing to the table you're you're coming there with your your a game with a bunch of the best wrestlers like you said the best ones that around the area has to offer and and it's it's really cool to actually to see that all come together because if you think about what goes into putting together a pro wrestling show um just putting the show on is is not even half the battle you got to find people and and in your case you you end up training some of them out of necessity yeah yeah well you always you always need new talent i mean certainly there's a, a monetary aspect to it but this has never been a, a cash grab for us and i think that does there's a little bit of separation with us and, and possibly some other groups that you know it's never been a, a cash grab for us it, it has been about the, the dream fulfillment business or developing talent that we can can trust. And that's, that's why, I mean, I know impact for wrestling, it probably has a stigma with, with others within the Midwest and maybe being a clickish or, you know, that we keep to ourselves. We always would love to bring other talent in. And we have in the past guys, we didn't train and that's, and there's a lot of great guys out there. We didn't train and, you know, I'll be the first one to admit it, it but, 
we really they really have to add a lot of value to our shows to not use the guys we've already developed. You know, I mean, we trust the guys we have. You know what I mean? And and that's not to say we don't trust other guys. You know, I'm not, I don't want to take any negative spin from this, but when we do add guys from outside our core training group, it is because we 100% believe they are going to make our show better, whether they're whether it's athleticism, personality, fan interaction, and that's that's maybe why I bonded so much with Troy early on is. I knew it was very clear early on that he was all about giving to the fans, you know, giving the fans what, what they're paying to see and, and putting them first. And then, you know, with Troy, he puts the fans first, and then he puts his workers right after that. And, you know, he always, he always financially will put himself last. I mean, he's, he's not in here to, he's not in it for his own gain. You know, he's, he's very unselfish, which I've told a lot of our students that too. And just talking about Troy is there's a lot of guys that start a promotion that want to be the CEO or the freaking champion. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of wrestlers would want to start it and they want to be the champion and they want to be the, 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 the general manager, whatever, you know, a, a position of authority and power and ownership. Mm-hmm. And, and Troy, if anything has been more of a silent partner and I, and you know, from talking to him, he's never silent. You yeah. know, and he, he's got a he's got a million things to say behind the curtain, yep. but in front of the audience, he lets the performers and the show speak for itself, and that's that's so rare uh, that unselfish attitude. I mean, that, that's and yeah, that's all he wants to do is is give the fans the best possible wrestling show that we can on on multiple levels. You know, that's one of the funnest things you're talking about, Troy, being kind of a silent partner. Uh, he, I mean, he he does interact with the crowd he's there at shows every now and then he'll get on the microphone and and say something if he needs to say it but for the most part like you said he's kind of just running around in the background kind of making sure everything's are going off without a hitch oh my god yeah he's very much in control of everything you know Mm -hmm. i mean yeah yeah i I say that silent barn just because as far as the fans see i mean they probably just don't understand how much he's pulling the strings of everything you know yeah and that i think if just me going to a bunch of shows and seeing that that's how he operates every now and then when something in the ring gets out of control and he actually does go in the ring to cool some people off it's it kind of makes it a little bit more real you know because it's like what's he doing he's he's never in the ring he's ne- he's never oh, jumps in man. the middle of the fracas and here he is I, trying to separate people <laughs> you know a couple of things i really loved that troy was involved with is is back when the big picture we banned the big picture for a year he threw a fireball in billy jay's face when Troy ran out there, big picture punched him in the gut and dropped him. And Troy went down like a stack of bricks. And I thought it was just watching that back on the tape. I just laughed my ass. Off, you know? <laughs> it, was, it was, it was awesome. And then, you know, a few months ago we had Dalton Cooper interfere with, with a, with a match and we were throwing him out and Troy tackled him first. And we, we started running him to the back and Tro- I don't know if Troy tripped or what, but I just saw Troy hit the deck, you know, just, uh, it was just, I couldn't stop laughing. You know, it was just, <laughs> it was crazy. It was just a crazy situation. We all got caught up in the moment. It was, but it's a, a lot of fun, you know, and we, yeah, a lot of our fun, we have a lot of, you know, Troy's notorious for throwing these huge parties at his home after shows and stuff. And just, and he was notorious for throwing huge parties at the bar. And I, I couldn't, uh, I, I couldn't have jumped in the sidecar quick enough, you know. Back in the early days of, of Delta, we we would we would we would stay at these bars until they threw us out, you know. And it was we had such a great time, you know, in in, in all these places we've been. So there's just a lot of history there. We get we're working on our our 20th anniversary show for a you know pretty much a year from now, 
Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just, there's just a lot of history there because we've run a lot of shows. We put a lot of miles on together, a lot of hours on the phone. He's just been a, a great friend to me, both in and out of wrestling. So I certainly couldn't say enough about how, how his relationship with me has kept me, you know, having a great time, which this is all about, you know, is, is if you're not having fun doing it, you got to get out of the way and let somebody else have fun. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's the way it is. And, uh, as far as I can tell in the music scene too, you, you gotta want it. You got, you gotta know that it might not be a cash grab and you, you gotta have fun while you're doing it. Cause if you're not having fun, then why are you doing anything if you're not having fun really? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that kind of goes with some of the other places that offer wrestling, you know, in, in whether it's training or shows that we're trying to get with businesses and things too is, hey, that is where there is a little bit of legitimate competition. And I've always been of the, the thinking that if, if someone's going to spend a dollar, thousands of dollars on bringing wrestling in for their event, for a civic event or whatever, mm-hmm. or, or someone's going to pay someone to train them to be a part of this this wrestling business, I would never, you know, I guess my thinking is, I know we're going to give them everything we have, whether it's putting a show together or we're training somebody. So if there's money that's going to change hands, I'd rather it be filtered in to impact pro wrestling because I, I know where we're at and I'm, I'm directly affected by it. So I have more fun when we get more shows booked, you know? Yeah. It's funner to train when you have multiple students training all the time. And, and we've been very fortunate in a lot of, a lot of avenues, both with students and both with with shows. So it's been very, very uh, fortunate with the, with the relationships we've had that it's gone really well. So uh, I guess that's where the competition may come in. Is I, I'd love to see everybody who's going to do that choose us. Yeah, totally. I mean, the fact that I mean, I could I could totally see the the relationship factor of how many like county fair shows you guys do and continue to do. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where you guys wouldn't get these bookings every single year, year after year, or, or, you know, like, uh, we're going to do the Boone County fairground every other year and, you know, stuff like that. You don't get those bookings if you're not good. So, well, uh, yeah, that, that is, that, that's a real feather in our cap because, and, and we don't take that for granted ever. I mean, we very much appreciate the, the places that have taken a chance on pro wrestling, you know, I mean, and this is something Troy and I've talked about many times. If, if a fair or an event brings in a country music act and nobody shows up to see it, well, they don't ban country music for the rest of their lives. They'll just try somebody else, you know, because there's no brand recognition in wrestling. If wrestling fails and there's no crowd, well, then they don't bring anybody in, not us, not any other group in in the state or anywhere around. They just, they write off everybody who's involved with wrestling. And that's, that's the tough thing that we're fighting uphill against. So when people do take a chance on us, we're, we're very appreciative of that fact, and we always try to and, – and really, it doesn't change the the, the goals of, of always trying to hit a home run, you know. But, uh, yeah, we're very appreciative of the fact that that's a, that's a huge referral business. You have to have a good customer satisfaction to get referrals or it just kills you right away because it goes just as quickly the other way. You know, if, if we're doing a bad service – uh, in forms of these shows, then they would write us off and badmouth us to someone else and we would never get another one, you know, but uh, you know, that's been fortunate for us is that it's gone really well. Yeah. I, I couldn't be happier with that situation. Yeah. I've, I mean, that was one of the first shows I went to was a County fair show. It was just, Hey, I got nothing else going on tonight. I'll go check this out, see what's going on. And I ended up really enjoying it and going to see not just your company, but other companies, um, you know, perform all across the Midwest 
um, you know, because of you and Troy and all the people you trained and the great wrestlers that were there the first night and, and the show that Boy, you guys put on was tons of fun too. You know, that, that Humboldt fair in 2009, that was a, that was a pretty packed audience. I had a picture somebody had a picture of Johnny fitness. I think in that Humboldt reminder or paper down there that I, I kept to that and that the, the background it's it's a picture of Johnny fitness slapping high five with somebody, but in the background, the stands looked just completely packed. Yeah, it it was there was very full of people. I remember I I went there with a handful of my friends because we were like, yeah, whatever, we'll go see what's going on. But after a while, it was like, dude, this is actually like tons of fun. Um, you know, once you suspend a little bit of your um, preconceived notions, you know, like because right, that's that is that's that's the battle. Is hey, people are going to be expecting one thing. Are we going to blow them away with giving them something much more than their their bottom line projection of what they're going to see? Right? Yeah. You know that that that's just it. That's something we talk very openly about. Is hey, I mean, no matter what what preconceived notions people have, let's go out there and and, and make them. You know, hey, are we going to make lifelong wrestling fans from one show? Probably not. You know, but hey, we can give them a, a good time, and they can appreciate the, the work and effort and entertainment of what they're seeing. You know, hopefully at all levels, if they're open minded at, at all. Yeah, I mean, and that's some of the funnest parts about going to shows as an adult and seeing people that bring their kids there is watching people's kids go absolutely bananas because they don't have any of that <laughs> cynicism in there. You know, oh yeah, everything. It's wonderful. It's so crazy because yeah. I mean, that's that's got to. Oh, that, that's got to make the wrestlers that are up there wrestling. It's got to make them feel like, oh, that's me as a kid out there just going nuts, you know? Oh yeah, it's it's so humbling. I think it was always humbling for me, and I think for a lot of the talent it is when you're in that position where everybody looks at you like you're the superhero, you're the you're the mega athlete, or you're the celebrity that's not from around here type type vibe. You're giving people are asking for your autograph, you know, and. and mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very humbling thing, and that's something you know. I think you try to do the right thing ethically, and try to say, "Hey, every once you have that level level of of celebrity, I mean, it's a it may be a very small, fleeting level of celebrity, but once you have that, let's try to make it as positive as we possibly can. Absolutely. You know, for those for those kids. I mean, let's let's let them remember that they they got to take a picture with Ugly and the Ugly Stick or James Jeffries and the IPW Heavyweight Championship Belt. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and that's 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 where James has has a lot of value and ugly and, and and a lot of these guys are just very giving of their time and that's that's really a lot of these guys the wrestling is just a way to get to the the fan interaction that's fun afterwards you know I mean just some of those moments that hopefully that those kids won't forget or their families won't forget as a as a father getting to see your your son or daughter get fired up and 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 be have some level of interaction with the performer. I mean that that's one thing that uh, a smaller show like an IPW show versus WWE. Hey, not everybody, not all twenty thousand people get to meet John Cena. Yeah, you know, or Roman Reigns. But if if all two hundred people or three hundred people want to meet James Jeffries, they can. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was one of the coolest parts about going to a wrestling show was like finding a wrestler. You're like, I like this guy. I'm going to buy his shirt. And then you like go meet him, you know, Hey, sign my shirt. And then, uh, after you go to a handful of shows, kind of like up, uh, up at IPW, you guys like after the show would, would just just head next door and have a few beverages. And I'd, (laughs) I'd squeak, I'd squeak over there and be like, Hey, what's going on guys. And everyone was super cool, you know, and you get to meet the people on a personal level, even if you want to. 
nobody's really that unattainable uh, as far as independent wrestling goes. And that was one of the coolest things about it was you get to realize these people are A, real people, but B, at the same time, you're such a fan of their performance and their wrestling and their character and how they portray themselves when they actually get under the bright lights. And, uh, you know, it's it's really neat to actually make some of these friends that way and, and watch them progress yeah. and, and grow. Or some of the contra- the contrasting personalities, like how guys act as opposed to what you'd expect. And and one of my favorites is, uh, and, I, and I tell you, I, you know, admittedly, I got a lot of favorites. But Malice, if you if you know uh, <laughs> yeah. Malice at all, the big four hundred pounder, you know, he's got hair everywhere and he's big and and he's a brawler and, and hardcore and all that and and, and kind of wild and, and unmanageable, but. Boy, he is one of the funniest guys to be. I, I just love having him around, you know, backstage or at the bar or whatever. I mean, he's he's constantly, especially if he has somebody that he can victimize a little bit with some of his insults and stuff too. Like he's he's got a couple friends that he keeps around, I think, just to be punchlines for a lot of his comedy. <laughs> but but he's just he's just a hilarious individual. And he's he's kind of been like that since day one. You know, we, we started working with him back in the late two thousands and uh boy he he uh came in and he kind of like wow we got this big kid and and he turns you know right away he's cutting up on on something just very quick-witted really funny guy a lot of a lot of fun to be around you know aj smooth's a lot like that too he's pretty quick and and uh always got some smart line or something to to throw at you Mm -hmm. yeah i mean that's one of the things i remember from the first show i went to is aj smooth uh his ability to be mouthy was was very very good (laughs) you know and uh you know, he was a, he was a heel then, which was a bad guy. You know, and uh, I mean that's where you're talking about malice. Even when malice is is playing not a bad guy, he still seems like you said very unwieldy. He seems like you you probably still wouldn't want to meet him because he's just so <laughs> aggressive. And and then you meet him and he's it's like, wow, this guy's actually really tons of fun. Um, you know, gave me a, a pile of crap the first time I ever saw him. You know, so you know he's in it just to have fun. He's not out there trying to hurt anybody's feelings yeah. either I don't, I don't know if i've ever seen a human being consume as much alcohol in a sitting as that guy either i mean he would certainly be <laughs> on any drinking team he would be the anchor man you know i mean yeah I mean, that's kind of, I, i've drank a lot of beers and mixers in my life but man i mean he is the anchor man on the ipw drinking team no doubt <laughs> but oh. he, yeah he's a great guy and he's another guy that i mean talk about traveling and stuff too i mean he had to I want to say three and a half, close to four hour trip just to come to Algona to train. And he did it for months at a time, you know, and really put the commitment in to, to be here and, and keep getting better. So, I mean, that, that says a lot. I mean, that, that there is a sense of accomplishment because these, these guys do go through a lot just to make it here. We only, we may only see them for four five, six hours, whatever it is at a time. But, uh, you know, there, there's just a lot of, a lot of effort that goes into it. And, and he was a guy too, that he might've worked a, a third shift where he may have gotten off work, never slept, drove all the way here and, and, uh, and, and did his workout and everything too. So just, yeah, a tremendous, that's just it. You see all these people, you just don't know how much it took mm-hmm. to get them, get them to the front door sometimes, you know, to get them to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if anybody's listening to this and they actually want to get involved with any sort of uh, training, I mean, I do have a pretty wide audience base that listens to uh, pretty much every episode. So um, if anybody's listening, they want to get a hold of you, the best place I'm assuming would be the Facebook page. Yeah, I think the way the world works now, yeah, we used to have uh, a website and I think we still do that you can you can contact us through, but certainly the IPW uh 
vault training page on Facebook uh, is the best way. You can message us through there. And, and we have free visits, not like I have. And I, and I, I say this. I, I don't say it with a, a disdain for how I was brought in because I absolutely love my experience and the mm-hmm. guys who, who, who worked with me. And But there's no tryout fee for something you don't know how to do yet. So we do have free visits. You can come in, and this, this is very honest and open because you get to look at our guys working out with other guys, meet the coaches, meet meet other kids in the same – or adults, I say kids because everybody's younger than I am. But yeah. uh, see all these other people going through the same process you're thinking about doing and get to talk to them and ask them questions. And, hey, they're living the life that you want to live or or the wrestlers that are on these shows. I mean, they've, they've gone through it. you know, And that that's a sense of attainment because everybody you see on those shows had to go through quite a bit just to be on a show. We don't just go to high spots or a website and order boots and just start outfitting people and yeah, you're you're a champion now, you know. I mean, yeah. that's just it. Is is that there's there's a there's a level of achievement for all these guys that that have made it that far. So, uh, that, that that's what I love about those visits of the, of the training center is hey, you get to meet people and and kind of see the whole thing. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a a very transparent look at what it's going to be like. That's cool. Yeah, I'll uh, put a link to the the, the Vault uh, Impact Pro Wrestling training facility down below, as well as all of the Impact Pro Wrestling links. Uh, you know, I, I this is one, another one of those things. I, it was just like with Troy. As as much as I've sat down and talked to you before, during, or after shows, uh, it's nice to actually be able to like one on one get you non distracted and kind of see what you know what got you to be where you're at today. And it's it's really cool. You know, it's I. Like I said, I've I've talked to you a bunch, but there's a lot of stuff that's come out here that I've never actually known about you. So it's really kind of neat to, you know. Yeah, you know, and, and I've I've known you. It seems like for years, but at the same time, like you say, not distracted. Because I'm I'm one of the worst guys at when a show's going on of being so flighty and scatterbrained that I'm I, I admittedly very hard to talk to at times. It's got to be you got to have a drink in your hand and the show's all over and the the stress and and, and not not that it's stressful, just. You know, you just don't want anything to go wrong, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. there's not a whole lot. I'm gonna, when the when the show's actually going, there's not a lot I, I can really do to influence things one way or the other. But, uh, you know, you just always have, you always want people to, to put their best performance out. And, and uh, I think that's where I can, I can still help is in, in a mentoring or coaching role and just be a supporter. And that's been such a big thing for me. In all my engagement, I've had very good friends. I mean, I had a lot of my high school friends, and like here I say, I'm 47. A lot of my high school friends have seen me wrestle and and been a party, either managed me on a show or been a ring announcer or a, a DJ. I mean, I had a lot of a lot of great friends that have been very supportive throughout my career. But it, it really it, it starts with the woman I married. I mean, my wife has been a, a huge supporter, you know, from from day one, and that's that's been something you can never overlook or, or leave unstated is is the the level of uh impact that these people have on you that kind of put you in a position to live out your dream mm-hmm. and uh, i, I want to be that, that's what i want to be for other people too is just a guy that's in their corner hey you know you're on our show you're working with us and you know we have a vested interest in in giving you what you're in it for you know and, and that's something that i would love to be I would love to be a positive thought in someone else's memory. That's a humbling thing on a training perspective too. I mean, these guys could have trained a lot of different places for less money that were closer to their house or whatever the case may be. But the fact that they, they trusted us to take them on that training journey, I'm very 
proud and humbled to be a part of their story. You know, so I'm very appreciative of the people that have, have trained with us and I want to help them in every way that we can help them progress, you know? So that's something, yeah, I guess I would like to be that guy, you know, for, for a lot of people is be the supportive people. Cause like I said before, you just, you never know what kind of home life people have, what, what kind of, where they come from and, and how much support they have. So I, I don't, I don't want to ever be a barrier to someone else. Well, that's very well said, man. I, you know, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, you know, talk to me about all these kind of things. Cause it's, it's really cool that we have the availability in Iowa for somebody to be trained in pro wrestling. And not only that, but actually have the availability to wrestle on shows once they are trained. And, you know, it's, yeah, that's what it's all about, man. It is, I think it works hand in hand, you know, I mean, you have a training school, but then you also have on the, you know, once you get through there, you're on the job training and, you know, the frequency of shows is a big deal and opportunity on shows. I mean, if you're going to run a hundred shows a year, but use the exact same roster every time, then you're not creating any opportunities. And I, I think that's where we get, we diversify our talent and mix things up. And I think that's where Troy really has a passion for, for uh, plugging, plugging talent in. So yeah, I need, I think he does a great job with it. And I think our, the guys we've had all along the way in the training process have just been phenomenal. I've been very proud of the work they've done and, and, and glad to have them on the team and be a teammate with them. Uh, yeah, so you know, it's exciting. I, I wish, yeah, you have more time to d- deep dive into some of these guys that we've worked with. And, you know, you can never say enough, enough names of all these great characters we've had, you know, all, all throughout our history, because in the end, we've worked with well over a hundred guys, you know, in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, some of them you may never have heard of, but, but there, there's always a story to go with it. And yeah, yeah, it'd be, it'd be cool down the road, I guess in a podcast setting where a guy can just throw it on and ramble on forever and, and listen to it on, and, at work. It'd be cool to hear you get a, a few more of the guys on here and maybe not just IPW guys, but just guys that have, have different stories and stuff too. And just, uh, share share some of their history with us too yeah i mean i've always wanted like when i first started going to wrestling shows i was like i gotta do a wrestling podcast i always wanted to be a radio dj guy or whatever but i i stuck to twitter because that's what i did best and there was already a wrestling podcast at the time which was uh shotgun wrestling and oh yeah those guys are great yeah yeah. it's it's too bad to hear uh zach grigg just recently passed it's just yes that's a terrible loss for all of us that knew him i mean he he was always a he was always a positive guy, always fun to be around, and uh, yeah, he'll definitely be missed, you know. And it it really stinks at a time like this with the pandemic that uh, you know funerals and, and celebrations, life visitation, you know, any any type of gathering where you can get together and and and, and talk to some of the other people that knew him. Uh, you know, you can't do that so much now, but I hope there's a time soon where when all this stuff settles down and people can get together and I'm sure there'll be several things that can be said, uh, both behind the curtain and in front of the audience, uh, to, to, uh, appreciate Zach publicly, you know, and yeah, just, just terrible loss to the wrestling community. Yeah. What he was doing was so good that I didn't even want to try and step on his toes or do something parallel. So that was like the whole reason I, that was the whole reason I just stuck to Twitter. It was like, oh, he's got this on lockdown and, you know, like I said, that is a sad thing to see a to see anybody in the wrestling community leave us because that's another one of those crazy things. I've been watching wrestling for about ten years, and I've seen a handful of people, you know, in our community kind of pass, and it's it's wild. It's crazy to think, you know, it's uh, it you really do become kind of a small community within yourselves. Yeah, yeah, and you, you just you could never take it for granted, you know, that 
and, and and really, it doesn't have to be anything as heavy as as a death either. I mean, guys, life takes all of us in different directions, and you know, guys start developing families. That's something I, I think you and Troy touched on that too. Mm-hmm. Is that there's so many just because of Impact Pro Wrestling, because of a training, just because of uh, you know Troy and I becoming friends and having this thing together. There's been people that have met their their significant others and had children and and you know friendships and and all this stuff that's just kind of branched out now in no way do i say hey we're responsible for all this but it's cool that you you, you hear again play just a a piece of the puzzle just a just just you're part of someone's history that way you mm-hmm. know and and uh you know it's, it's it's a great thing to be a part of it's, it's cool to think about yeah yeah definitely Dude, it was really great actually to have you and Troy come on here back to back because it was like uh, we got the yin and the yang of uh, IPW, as it were. I guess you know we got <laughs> one one side of the story and the other, and we can, you know, it's it's really cool. Anybody that's listened to Troy's that came back to listen to this one, super thanks. Uh, if if you're listening to this one, you didn't listen to Troy's, go back and listen to Troy's. You get uh, and it, you know the other side of the story. So it's it's really cool. You guys even ended up bookending WrestleMania. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's uh yeah, yeah, Troy's been a great friend. I saw, I heard his uh podcast and I get pretty fired up, you know. It makes me laugh. You know, and of course, a lot of the stuff I've already heard him say and stuff, but it, it's it's cool to hear him hear him go over a lot of that, you know. It, it's it's a uh, it's a fun business to be a part of. It it can be a very fun and rewarding thing to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah, even from a fan's aspect, I, I got to say that it was tons of fun um going to shows literally uh, IPW shows for a while. You guys were running matinee shows to help out with some of the people that were training. Oh and- man, you know I love the matinee concept because that was really geared towards just hey, let's break the students in in front of any crowd. You know whether it was ten, fifteen. I mean there was times we had a birthday party or something, had fifty people there or something. You know, but mm-hmm. but the problem we had is if we didn't have a big crew training that day, then I would get stuck throwing a mask on or doing something, and I was like, man. I'm kind of done wrestling, guys. Thrill cat. I I just don't have the the stamina. I just I just don't bounce right back up anymore. So, yeah, I was I was getting stuck wrestling too often. But I did. I I love the 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 intention of the matinee and and really in practice too. It was they were a lot of fun while we did those. Yeah, those were tons of fun. Uh, I talked a little bit about it in the Troy podcast, but like watching people go from their very first matches and watching them grow and be like, oh, they they're getting it. You know, they're they're figuring out what they got to do to get to get their character in there and they're they're smoothing out all their moves and everything. It's really cool to watch people develop. You know, once you watch enough wrestling. It's kind of nice to have that aspect in there as well. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was just a weird, uh, small version of having like a little farm league for us. You know, I mean, yeah, it it, it was. It was uh, it was a cool time and and got to you know certainly got guys in front of audiences that and that's yeah there you can't put a price on that sometimes just an extension of the training and uh, yeah I was really glad we did that when we did. Yeah, I mean, one of my most memorable things at a matinee show, it was a smaller one. Like you said, there was probably 10 or 15 people there, tops or so, something around that area. But uh, the people brawled outside the ring, brawled around the entire crowd, and then went back in the ring. And I was like, dude, they just went into the crowd and went around the entire crowd and went back in. If you say it verbatim, it's crazy. But, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's just the fact that they did it. You know, it's like, that's that's nuts. That's, too, that's tons of fun, you know? You know, I, I know we had some guys that were already wrestling on all of our shows in Sparrow, you know, and Sparrow is another one. I just such a fan of his and, and, you know, and, and, and seeing him kind of grow up as a man and everything too. And now he's a family man. And, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but but uh, wrestled Ricky Love. You know, and Ricky Love yep. had been wrestling. Ricky Love was a fantastic athlete. He was, played college soccer, and you know, I, I, I'm a huge fan of his as well. But I think those two guys wrestled on a matinee show. It, it, it was a little bigger. I think it was like a birthday party one or something. And they're fighting outside the ring, and one of them, get, I think uh, Ricky Love, got slammed into the wall, put a big hole in the wall. <laughs> like my God, you guys are tearing the building down on a goddamn matinee. You know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. You know, if you remember we had the the wall of we had our wall of fame with all the pictures of everybody, you know, all the eight by tens and stuff up on the one wall. I think he got thrown in right below that and caved in the wall right there. <laughs> that's where but, the uh, that's where the IPW banner hung over was the Yeah, the yeah. That I, I was notorious for that at our other vault. Every time we'd hit the ropes and, and put an elbow through some of the sheetrock, another big poster would go up, another banner would <laughs> would cover up the hole, you know. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's dude. It's so fun to, like I said, just sit down and talk with you about the progression of all this. It's been, you know, almost ten years. I've been going to shows now, and and you know, like you said, two two thousand nine was that Humboldt County Fair show that you did. So it's it's crazy that I've you know known you and Troy and and all these wrestlers this long. You know, like uh, I've talked to more promoters than wrestlers on the podcast here, but it's still it's crazy to to sit down and actually talk with you guys and, and hear your stories and, and realize that, you know, I've spent so much time in and around things that you guys have created entertainment wise from the ground up, you know, not just, you're not just booking a show with already established wrestlers and in a place that already has a ring set up. Like I come to find out you built the ring, you know, and. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a real thing. You know, I mean, nowadays you can just get a credit card out and have it shipped to you. But, but back then, I mean, I, I got specs from Ken Patera and, and, uh, you know, I, I took designs from Brad. Brad had an old WCW wooden, you know, had some wooden supports in it and stuff too. So I, I, I tinkered around with some different concepts and spent spent too much money on some of it, you know, to the <laughs> trial and error piece of it. But now I got real happy with the 18 footer we have. And then I then I did go buy <clears throat> from a guy in Minnesota. I bought our our 16 foot training ring. Uh, and then we just kind of we kind of just dressed it up and, and made it our own. But you know, for years we ran with steel cables and made the switch back in uh, 2012 to the real rope. You know, I just mm-hmm. uh, I really lo- love the look of that. You know, I think it looks more like what you're seeing on TV now. Yeah, yeah, totally, dude. It's been great sitting down talking with you. Uh, oh, hey, I gotta say, Pete, though, thank you very much for your your role in all of this. I mean, putting a podcast together and, and for however many people listen to it and get this far with us. I mean, I appreciate the, the listeners and appreciate the forum at which you've provided us to, to talk a little bit about and rant and, and uh, do the little vanity project to get in to talk about it too. So thank you very much for, for bringing awareness to everyone for what we do. So I, I very much, I know a lot of the guys in the community very much appreciate your role and everything, the Twitter and all and, and everything that you've done to help us. Well, hey man, it's uh, it's, a, it's the least I can do for all the entertainment you've provided me. So uh, stick tight after this. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you after I cut sure, cut sure. the recording short here. But hey, everybody, this is uh, Travis Shillington. Had a great time with you. Thanks, man. Yep, thank you. Another episode, another week. Hey, I hope everybody's doing good out there. I uh, did a bonus episode last week. I don't really have a whole lot to talk about on my own, so I'm going to try and keep those to a very, very, very bare minimum. And uh, in the meantime, I'm going to be Skyping people because that's going to be the best and easiest way that this is all going to work out for everybody um, at the current moment. So I hope you guys are enjoying the Skype podcast. I'm not doing too much editing on them. I'm not clipping out the parts where I'm like, oh, hey, what'd you say? I probably should because that's more professional. But you know what? 
uh, this is this is what we're going with. It's just a nice conversation between two people talking about things, and uh, I really enjoyed all the time I got to spend with Travis. You know, this was the most time I got to spend with him one-on-one, talking with him about uh, how he got started in wrestling, his training, uh, being on an episode of Raw. That's crazy, you know, getting beat up. Uh, just all this... All the all the cool stuff that he has done in his life is it's really neat to hear all that stuff. So, I mean, as far as uh, from the bottom up, and then as as he was established, starts training people from the top down, you know, and it's just really kind of cool to have to see that, you know, and and like I said in the intro, uh, it's a very positive area over there, and like I said, it starts top down from the people who own and help run the place and the people who are involved. So uh, hats off to Travis, and uh, hey, even hats off to Troy. Go check that episode out, too. If you guys didn't listen to that one and you're listening to this one, Travis and Troy put on a a great promotion called Impact Pro Wrestling. Uh, And to anybody that listened to this that's not a pro wrestling fan, kudos. I really appreciate it. You guys are branching out, enjoying some new things. Uh, Dude, it's tons of fun. Go to a pro wrestling show if you've never been to one. I guarantee you you'll get into it. I guarantee it. Uh, I do want to say... Make sure you check out IPW Online. I got links down below. Uh, they're on Facebook. They're pretty much everywhere. So check them out. And uh, make sure you also go, if you're looking to be a pro wrestler or you have any interest in it at all or want to go check it out, go to the Vault, Impact Pro Wrestling Training Facility. It is at IPW Vault on Facebook. I got links to all that down below. So check it out. If anybody's interested in wrestling, I would highly recommend checking, checking out Impact Pro Wrestling. They got a fun program there. Uh, a, a great group of people. It's always entertaining. Tons of fun. I'm glad I actually got to sit down with these guys one-on-one and uh, talk with them about what they're doing and how they promote shows and, and their thought process that goes into all this stuff and, and what made them into the, the people they are today that put on you know pro wrestling shows. You can tell they have a lot of desire to do exactly that. So uh, if you guys have any interest in checking out a pro wrestling show, check out Impact Pro Wrestling. All of their shows are on their Facebook page. Check that out. And make sure you keep an eye out for that Hall of Fame show. They do it once a year. It's in Waterloo. It has tons of famous people from past and present. Names, I guarantee you you'll know someone if you watched any form of pro wrestling at any time in your life. I guarantee you you'll know somebody there. That's that's how many people are are there. They're all famous. It's cool. Uh, If if you listen to this episode and you're like, oh, you didn't mention the Hall of Fame show too much, go back and listen to that episode with Troy that I did previously. That's a great one. Um, we talk about the Hall of Fame show there. Otherwise, go to Impact Pro Wrestling and keep an eye out for that Hall of Fame show coming up. And uh, it's going to be this summer. There's one every year. Like I said, it's an annual show. And they're, they're tons of fun. You can't miss them. You're never going to get to meet that many wrestlers or be that close to as many famous people that were on tv uh probably ever anywhere in iowa ever so check it out it's kind of like comic-con for iowa and wrestling it but it's uh it's actually pretty cool so if you like pro wrestling it's totally worth it and uh hey if if you're interested in pro wrestling go see an indie show sometime uh be it impact pro wrestling or whatever you have nearest you go check it out it's worth it it's definitely worth it um impact pro wrestling runs shows in northern iowa and in des moines as well as all across the counties of iowa in the summertime so check them out they're tons of fun and uh hey to everybody that listened to this whole episode it's another two hour long episode um you're welcome i'm sorry thanks i don't know i don't know what everybody's days consists of these days it's been pretty wild so i hope everybody's uh staying mentally well and uh positive like travis uh mentioned many times in this episode it's all about being positive so stay positive out there everybody thank you for listening i really appreciate everything you're doing i'll check you guys next week peace